0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's first smoke of the day. We're back. It's episode 72. It's your boy Pack here in the building. I'm here with my co-host Black What up? Today we got a super special guest in the building, my man Roger from Puffco, brother. How are you? Great. Thank you guys for having me. Really man. excited to be here. Big fan of the show. Appreciate you stopping in and making yeah, time, of man, course, for real. Of course. And liking what you got going on. You came and blessed us right away. It's crazy. Of course. Gotta give this you guys great. I know our, our Cody cameraman is going crazy back here seeing us get gifted these right here. Yeah, this is well, like his ultimate.
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll this is like his ultimate. Well. <laughs> he's going to shake me down for this after. No, no, we got <laughs> you. We got you, dog. We'll work something out for sure. But yeah, this is our latest and greatest The Guardian. We just dropped this limited edition. First drop already sold out. We have one more coming and then it's kind of gone for good. But these limiteds are like the most hyped things we make. And. You guys are the most hyped content in the space. So it just Damn. figured appropriate to bring it to you, bro. Appreciate this for real. Of course. Of course. Fucking my pleasure. Legendary. Most
2: innovative company in cannabis, hands down, in my opinion, yeah. that they constantly, it's like, oh, what a thing to cut the, oh, what another version. Oh, now, I mean, like, look at, that's a Puffco. The thing in front of and sitting in front of, that's a different version of a Puffco. Yeah, it is. Crazy. It is. I
0: mean, oh, bro. And then this
1: gold claw. Yeah, it's pretty fucking is that rough. That's
0: a spinoff of the proxy? Custom so, proxy? So or? we made
1: the, you know, designing the proxy was really about how do we make something that's easier to integrate with the glass world than this, right? Like when we were designing this, the original thought was it's not just the experience of consuming hash. It's also the art attached to it. That's one of the things that got me involved. So instead of just making a whole standalone unit with no glass, we made a detachable glass for artists to build on. But being real, this shit is hard as hell to make. Like if you're an artist that can make something really gorgeous for a peak as a a peak top, it's going to take a ton of your work, more work than making any other piece. And it's a little bit hard to get that value from people. And we wanted to make a platform, even more of a platform for artists. So when we made this and we saw all the homies get down, it was like mission accomplished. Elbow, arguably one of the most famous and best artists in the space, made this piece, his classic Dino Drylock, specifically for the proxy. Ryan Fit made this. I mean, this is probably my favorite pipe of all time. It's just like one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Ryan made this, and I have a gang more. I think I have two more in my backpack that I just didn't bring out to not overwhelm the table. But that was the target for this. The target was give glass artists something that can make it really easy for them to make a piece of art for somebody who's not down to use a torch and a nail and a timer or a temp reader. Um, And it seems like it's really, really taking off for us and and serving the space most importantly. It's been, I mean... Like you said, most
0: innovative product in the space for sure. I mean, you guys changed the game for ass consumption. I'm one of those guys that would look at dabbing and be like, dude, I can't have 20 things to keep up with. Sure, alcohol in a Tupperware just, I mean, just, it got so advanced, but then when you bring one of these around, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm game for this. This is like, yeah. And you know, dabbing so
1: is a place, you know, like oh, the, ha- sure. the hash nerds sure. are dabbing with a torch and nail. The hash nerds are never going to give it up. And the makers of these nails and devices, I mean, they've inspired me throughout my career to do what we do. When we were designing the OG uh peak chamber, one of the things that we were looking at was the puking beagle, um, banger, right? And if you like, look, look at our chamber, the way it works is not exactly like a puke and beagle banger, but it's this double wall thing. And we're always looking at nails and other innovators in the space of how can we make, how can we simplify this process and make it easier for people? So yeah, it's, it's, I think dabbers are going to keep dabbing, but we want to make something that can pull more people into this world of hash that we love so much. And I know you guys are big smokers. So I didn't just bring some rosin today. I also brought some melts, I'm going to try to get Damn. you guys. And I, like, I would say the headiest melt I have, the six star amongst all six star, is a, a previous guest of yours is Trichedelics. And he makes this um, Starburst OG. He's calling it ice oil. It is real deal six star. So at some point through this, I'm going to load it up for you, let you guys take a dab, and hopefully see how that makes you feel compared to just dabbing rosin or anything else. But this to me is like the best context in the space because... Man, six star will give you hash sweats. It'll give you a lot of what a joint will and then some. And to me, it's like the flagship experience in the space. Hard to get better than, but I'll see if I can convince you guys of that for the end of the episode.
0: I know it won't take much convincing. The trike shit is
1: primo. It's so good, you it's know. Like, And this is, you know, for us, both of these really, it's a platform for hash to show its best self easily. And it's a platform for glass to show its best self easily. So hopefully we can contextualize some of those things to you guys. Cause I know you're smoking. I want to see you guys chief and hash as much as, as much as humanly possible. We're
0: in, we're yes. totally in. <laughs> it's like the sign you guys had going up, smoke more hash. I thought that was dope at PuffCon. Thank you. Last one. Yeah.
1: Yep. Shout out to law comedy. I mean, there's like a lot of dope people serving um, hash in the space and a homie of ours did that as an image before. And we were just like, he was actually supposed to be, at PuffCon and we still just had it there to like honor him. And yeah, we, we believe hash is the experience. I'm a smoker. I still smoke flour all the time, but it's because I'm, I'm a smoker. I like smoke. Um, I don't think it's healthy for you. I don't like the high. I cannot smoke a joint during the day and do my work. It's a little hard for me to smoke water hash during the day and do my work. But when it comes to rosin, I could dab at 12 PM. And if I don't have anything serious until. One, I'm good. It goes away super clean. I can get right back to my normal self. It's a little bit harder for me to do that with flour. So I value this experience as being the thing that allows me to maintain and get my work done, but then also to turn the fuck up at night and blast me off. Um, But I'm obviously biased, right? I love this shit. I can't get enough of it. It's kind of cool.
2: It's like a parallel to kind of first smoke of the day. Like
1: Puffco is a platform
2: for hash makers and glass makers. Always, and it's like we're a platform for everyone in the industry as well. For their it's, it's kind of yeah, yeah, really crazy. Yeah. I remember walking through the first like chalice or high times event and seeing these gunmetal pens with a little cloud oh, on them. Yeah, and remember that? And we would pack the shatter or whatever oh, wax, yeah, yeah. and then you screw the top on and be walking around.
1: I know it started way before. Oh man, we've been OGs
2: with Puffco for, I know it started way before that,
1: man. Mm. And we always like to ask, like, what was the first time you ever smoked weed? Yes. Yeah. The whole basis of the podcast. So uh, one thing I'll put out there is like, I have to give this disclaimer and I need it Everywhere around this story, I was 13 the first time I smoked weed. I advise any 13-year-old against doing it. I believe you know 21 plus is that sweet spot. And we're really against underage use of cannabis. So I just want to put that out there in general. Agreed. Yeah, Let totally. your mind develop. Yeah, yeah exactly. I will
0: say this. After listening to so many first smoke stories, 13 is the most average age. It's fucking far. crazy. I
1: think it's just like our generation.
0: To so at right? least try it. And then a lot of people didn't do it again until 16, 17, 18. Oh, no, so like my but story- some people stuck with it and they're fucking, you know, yeah. they're not
1: quitting. That's for sure. It, it, it was, you know, it's, it's, it's weird to think that it's been a part of my life now for 26 years, wow. um, which is fucking crazy. Cause there are people in our space. There are growers that are younger than the amount of time that I've been smoking weed. Um, yeah. My first time, it was really just like, I was kind of curious about it. I had homies doing it in, um, I guess junior high at that point. And a homie of mine was like, yo, I got some, I tried to do it once before and I rolled my own joint terribly. It didn't work out. I didn't get high. This is in New York. This is actually in New Jersey. It's New like Jersey. my little secret is like, I went uh, the end of junior high and high school. I spent in Jersey, which is like my dirty little secret. Cause I do not, I like people from New Jersey. I do not like New Jersey. Um, and so he had me come over his house and I believe it was just a bowl and some flour. He showed me how to smoke it and as soon as I hit it and I exhale, I feel like this, I've never had any substance like this in my body. I'm super young and I feel something like start in the middle of like my chest or upper abdomen. It's like this warm feeling and it just starts glowing and it explodes into all of my limbs and my head and I like roll off the couch and have to like catch myself and I get up and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And within a few seconds, I felt this massive relief. Like I I didn't have the best childhood. It was pretty traumatic. By 13 years old, I'm pretty fucked up like in the head. I'm carrying a lot of tension, a lot of trauma and I felt relief for the first time ever. And I remember thinking very clearly, I didn't know I could feel this way. I never want to not do this. And I don't think it was because I love being high. I think it was that relief, that moment of breathing from your trauma, that moment of just being able to laugh without having all the shit attached to it. Um, and that was my first time, you know, like definitely way too young, didn't understand what was going on, really, really meaningful. And unlike some of your other guests who tried it once and then try it again, I continued on and it kept adding the trauma. My my relationship with cannabis kept adding trauma uh, to my teenage self, not because of my relationship with the plant, but because my dad would find out. And like, um, I, I mentioned this before we started, but I'm, I'm cool saying it again. I'm a former opiate addict. I was an opiate addict from about 16 years old until 27, 28, 39 now. And the reason I became an opiate addict is because my dad for I think the second or third time, heard I was smoking weed. And he was like, that's it bro, I'm fucking testing you. Like, I'm gonna test you all the time. It's a really tough conversation, really fucked up, kind of scarred me a bit, just to like see somebody that upset with you with something that isn't quite hurting you, definitely too young to be using it, but in his mind, I'm like a fucking crackhead and like a bad person criminal. And so now I can't use, right? And my homie comes over and he was like, yo, bro, I know you can't use, but I was just on my grandma's crib and I was in her bathroom and I went to her, ba- like her, her medicine shelf or whatever and I saw she had this shit and it says controlled and dangerous substance on it. That's what they say weed is, bro. I think this shit is like, this shit might get us high and it won't come up testing for weed. That was Oxycontin.
0: Oh, God.
1: Ooh. I had no idea what it was you And this is why you can't
0: afford to experiment when young, in my opinion, with anything, because you don't know what the fuck it is. You have no clue. There's no perception of like, like you, when you get older, you. I feel like you see some people and you're like, I know what happens, you know? Sure. And, but when
1: you're that young, it's like, you're, and we don't have guidance, right? Like, None. I think, I think a part of the reason why our space is leans so much towards conspiracy, uh, very reasonably does not trust our government and doesn't believe most narratives to a fault sometimes is because we spent our youth being villainized for something that was only bad because we were engaging with it at a young age. That's not what we were being told when you were younger. It's like, you're a fucking criminal. You're going to end up a loser. You're going to ruin your fucking life. All these really charged statements. And that's not your experience. Your experience is I'm having a really peaceful, positive moment where I'm engaging with something and you're telling me I'm an awful human being with it, now I can't trust anything. And what happens, somebody comes by with something that is under the same category as cannabis, and you're like, well, this must be the same thing. And it's not, it's deeply addictive, it's an actual epidemic, and I believe that this is really a failure. I don't wanna say it's a failure of our parents, but this psyop that's happened with vilifying cannabis and vilifying addiction is not a public health issue, but is a criminal issue really had an effect on the generation before us. And they imposed that will on us and made us feel fucking awful about engaging with something that we really just needed education around. Hey, this isn't bad, but you're too young to use it. When you're ready, it's fine. Go ahead and do it. It's not a problem. Just like going to a club or whatever it is that kids are told to wait to do. But instead, we were told that we were bad people and we didn't feel like bad people. So when they tell us what bad is, now we're not listening to any of that shit. And it's hard to guide people that you are not informed about what their experience is. So yeah, me being told I can't smoke weed as a teenager and my issues of trauma and my developing bad behavior, none of that was considered. It was like, this is bad and you need to fucking stop. And that made it really easy for pharmaceuticals to creep their way into my life like it did every other American. So like that's I I lost 11, 12 years of my life being an opiate addict because they tried to keep cannabis from me without educating me on the harms of it or the harms of other substances. And it feels less like that today. It feels like people know more about cannabis today and what the relationship with it should be and about opiates and what that can do. Um... But I was I was a part of the fuck around era, and we're in the find out era now. Wow, dude! For I mean,
0: that's honestly the last thing I thought you would touch on or like sure. say of your journey. And I'm just saying, I'm committing you for that, like because oh, thanks, the way you have turned out, it's like very. I, I, like if that was a percentage, like it's I think below a percent. Like oh, being yeah. able to bounce back from that and then come back and, you know have extreme success in what whatever it is you're doing it's just that's impressive bro it's, i mean it, hats it, off to that for real thank you and just for being vulnerable to to just you know saying it you know letting I people mean, I, know that hey this is what what's really the truth this is how you know goes yeah. out for a lot of people because i know a lot of people are watching right now we come from florida that was the pill mill you guys had drive-throughs it's crazy yeah, i can't everywhere. tell you how many friends we lost i, I can't tell you like and Parents never even got a chance to trip on that. Yeah. They didn't know. To say, hey, that's bad. They yeah. didn't even know what the fuck was going
1: on. But it, with weed, you're right. It's like, since a kid, you're like, you know, you're. They knew to keep us from weed. You know, they didn't know to keep us from opiates. They didn't crazy. know to teach us about substances in general. Like, that was not an open conversation and like, Man, it's, it's for me when it comes to being like a former opiate addict, the reason I like talking about it is because they're still out there. I would assume everybody here knows a former opiate addict. And I would say most of us know somebody who has died from it. And this is a public health issue, man. These aren't bad people. We knew good people that got jammed up and ruined their fucking lives. And I'm transparent about it because I am a crazy success story. This is something that really took away. I I, I don't even remember my 20s, most of them while I was using I was going to ask about that. Well, what would you explain life being like and some of your hardest
0: times dealing with it? And what was the moment, the aha moment
1: of like, um, like something's got to change and, and you actually falling through with it. Oh man. Yeah. This is an interesting fractal to go down. So... Um, you know, the feeling of opiates really is uh, to me, numbness, it feels good. Like it, 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 it's heroin, right? Like opiates are just baby heroin. I mean, heroin is an opiate, right? As far as as I know. Um, so it feels really good and warming, but like what it does to you psychologically is tough. You're constantly feeling disrespected. You have a short temper. Um, you're not steering the ship. Uh, your emotions are completely out of whack. And, so, like, it was something that I did because I felt like it helped me cope. I enjoyed it for many reasons, some that are probably just a little bit too embarrassing to say on the show. Um, I think opiate addicts know of, like, yeah, there's certain parts of this that, like, you just don't talk about, that they help enhance. Um, but nothing, nothing that's meaningful or that I would turn back to them for or I haven't been able to recover from. Um, but my, my down moment, oh, man. Or your light moment. This is, a, this, is a, this is a tough, it's tough to say what got me to, um, to quit, but fuck it. And for being transparent, I might as well be. I had a friend who saw me take a pill and asked for one. And I was like, oh, no problem. Here, here you go. And um, as I was leaving, they were like, yeah, I used to have a problem with this, but I'm good now. And as I left and she shut the door, it's getting me emotional talking about it. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this isn't my problem anymore. This is bleeding over to people I care about. Good news of the story is I saw her three years later and I was like, yo, I quit opiates after I met with you. And she was like, you want to see something? And she goes into her cabinet and pulls it out and it was still fucking there. So like my breaking moment of what she didn't even necessarily want it. She didn't even use it. She just literally, I forgot what she was going through, but she was like, hey, if I could have one of these, like I might need it. Maybe hey, she's getting dental work or something. Who knows? Oh, got it. I think that's almost like the addictive personality
2: in you saying it's hard to turn that down. If it's just like, oh, do you, like, it's like, it, you know, it's like, oh yeah. Even if you're in that, like, I'm clean. It's like, sure. Sure. Uh, And then you don't know what you, you probably, your mind starts to I shouldn't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. She
1: saw me use it and she was like, oh, can I have one? And like, I didn't think twice, but as soon as that door closed, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And it flung me into a depression of like, this relationship I have with this substance is not just me and the substance. It's bleeding over to other people, whether I know it or not, the people that see me use it and it's normalized. It's a problem. And, um, going, I got onto the subway that day and I looked up and I saw a number on the subway of like, Do you suffer from addiction? Call this number. And I did. And actually had to call it four times. Like I I tried and tried and left messages and they finally got back to me. And that ended up being the uh, research project by Columbia University um, to research into addiction of different types. And so they ended up taking me in. I went on this program for, I forgot how long it was. It probably took me six months they they actually paired the program with cannabis shockingly and they kept me in. there were like three options one um we pair it with cannabis one we pair it with suboxone one we do it you're fucked. you're on your own and we give you one day of suboxone and they were like we're going to put you in this last program but we're advising that you continue your cannabis usage because we want to see if that is different than what we provide people for cannabis like, cool, no problem. That's, that's great for me. And they inject you with an anti-opiate. So if you relapse, you will not feel anything. And that anti-opiate shot is like one of the most horrible things you can encounter. It feels like it kills all of, I don't know, natural opiates in your body. I don't know how it works, but every bit of pain I've ever felt in my life immediately rose. Knee pain, back pain, everything fucking hurt. And, you know, I didn't take any, I never relapsed. Um, I got through it very, very successfully. Um, and then I think as soon as that was over, moved on to my next set of challenges. Um, but yeah, yeah. Thank God for that program stars. If you're watching this and you're wondering who you can turn to, I don't, you know, if you're in the New York area, the program that I went to in New York was called stars. I forget what it stands for, but if you look up Columbia university stars, like the stars in space, Um, it should come up. I hope they're still operating today. It changed my life in many ways. So one day of Suboxone they give you, and and
2: so then basically a day or two later, you're sick as hell. And so you using cannabis, it's that little bit of an edge of like, oh God, right? Yeah.
1: Did you have to change everyone that was around you, your friends, like the way you lived your life? My, I remember shortly after I was done, or maybe just before I finished the program, I went to my buddy, um, one of the buddies who was like, probably not pushing me into opiates, but was definitely the person that I would access that world the most through and, um, shout out to him. I feel bad for him cause his life really fell apart, but I go in the car and I sit down with him and I'm like, Hey bro, I'm off the shit. I moved on. I'm changing my life. And he was like, shut the fuck up. No, you're not. And he threw a Percocet on my lap and got out of the car. And he came back into the car and it was sitting on his dashboard and I was like, I told you, bro, I'm not doing this anymore. And that was the last time I talked to him. And I feel bad because his addiction worsened and he went to jail and his life is, I haven't haven't tapped in in many years, but um, his life went in a completely different direction than mine. Man, it's good that you
2: had the, the strong mind to get through all that. That's a lot of pressure. Man. I think it's luck, man.
1: I, I don't think it's a matter of strength to have the will to get past that addiction. Like if that moment never happened with that friend, would I have ever hit my rock bottom? Like would my rock bottom have been way worse? Would my rock bottom have been that friend's rock bottom of doing shit that gets you landed in jail? So like to get past opiates, I think is, is not a matter of will. I mean, it is, right? You have to be ready for this really tough journey. It's horrible. What it does to your body when you're getting off of it is some of the worst pain I've ever experienced. Um, and you need the will to get through it. But if your mind isn't ready to take that journey, and I believe that part is luck, then you're fucked. You're in the trap. You don't see a way out. So yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful that I was able to get through it. Um, but I know I'm very, very, very lucky to have landed on a perspective where I had the momentum to go through that journey to call them up four times, to wait to get into this program and to go through that pain. um, I don't think it's a testament to my strength. I think it's a testament to my luck.
2: And then from there, man, I mean, I don't know if we can get into,
1: I'd love to get into how cannabis What's life like
0: rebuilding at that age and stuff and you're just like starting
1: over or what? how did it go for you? So yeah, that goes on to a, a really interesting part of the journey. So um, my last day in that program, I, I leave and uh, this program is in Washington Heights in New York by Columbia University. I have a friend who's in Fort Lee, New Jersey, which is right across the George Washington Bridge. So I'm so super excited. My life, like I think like I have a new lease on life. I have all my release notes in my backpack of like successfully completed it. I got two joints in my pocket. I'm about to go see my homie, smoke some weed like really celebrate this big big win in my life and i walk across the bridge i get to fort lee new jersey and i get stopped for jaywalking the cop checks me for weapons and he finds my two joints and then he checks my bag and he finds an ounce of flour in four quarters and uh seven grams of hash in you know grams um which i think for anyone today is what they'll show up to the sesh with you know um But at the time, because it's separated, I'm being charged with distribution and I'm looking at one to three years and the whole thing was fucked up, like getting into the jail. They kept me there for 25 hours because they legally could, because I asked to have my attorney present while I'm speaking to them. And they just like terrorized me as much as they could and really were trying to stick me with this one to three. So I go back to the same program, to STARS. And I'm like, yo, I got to get off weed. Weed is ruining my life. Like I just finished this program. I need to get past it. Um, I interview with the person who admits you into the program. And he asks all the questions, you know, what relationship do you have with it? How does it negatively affect you? Um, all of these like really probing questions to see what my problem is with cannabis. And at the end, he's like, I'm sorry, I can't accept you you have no issue with cannabis except that it's illegal and you are facing losing your freedom for engaging with the plant. Other than that, I don't see any area where you have a negative association with the substance and he didn't accept me. And luckily I ended up beating the case and getting probation or or something, which I don't even know how the fuck my lawyer pulled that off. Um, But if that guy didn't accept me, Puffco would have never started. Like that was, I believe, within two years of me starting Puffco, if not less. Um, so yeah, that's what happened shortly after. It was like things got worse. It's like I got past the opiate addiction. And now I have to go. Now starts probation
0: and the charges and go to jail.
1: Yep. Now starts probation and all of this like invasive shit. Still got shit. you in a
0: program, basically. Exactly. Life and in the program. If yeah. you can't
1: get your programming down, they got some programming for you. That's yep. for sure. And I it's... learned that shit too, bro. Like. I mean, they love keeping people in the system and it's, you know, like that's the, the prohibition of cannabis has probably been like the best thing for the prison industrial complex, right? Like it's just funneling drug users in there at an alarming rate. Um, probably less so these days, but we still have so many cannabis prisoners in jail, but yeah, it was so fucked up to like finish this program and feel this new lease on life in a program where they recommended I use cannabis. Like i was instructed to i'm sure i hope the columbia lawyers don't see this and like motherfucker <laughs> you can't say that yeah, we right,
0: never told- look at it now It's yeah. crazy um, you signed a about. waiver yeah they're so like flipping through some like doctors i call me a smoking a joint out on the sidewalk right now so and like, but this is the thing too insane. these are
2: doctors and scientists yeah. and physicians that are looking for your health and your mental health yeah. and your well-being they're your well-being they're they have no fight yeah. in the you know sure. in the fight or whatever and they're telling you, man, that's awesome. You got off this horrible substance and you're using something that's not harmful for you and you have no association to it that's harmful. And then you got the other side, a flip side of the the legality saying, oh, no, man, no, 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 you're looking at a year in jail with the worst people and you know what I'm saying around
1: and, yeah. because of that. And these, these cops don't know, you know, like the cop, when he went through my backpack, he's looking at this paperwork and he's like, <sighs> You just got out of a program today, man. You got a fucking problem, man. And it's like, I'm just sitting there like, oh my, God, my fucking problem is that I have this psychopath with more power than he deserves hurting me for something like I use what's in my pocket to get past one of the worst Crazy. addictions plaguing this country. You're sitting there vilifying me for it. You're keeping me in a jail cell for 25 fucking hours without being able to communicate to anyone because you legally can. And yeah, you know, like I... I I try to use ACAB and FTP less these days because I want to see change. And for some people, it's a non-starter. As soon as you say ACAB, they can't get past it they have a cop buddy and he's not bad and so i try to not use that language but our space we have been traumatized by police and i understand that they don't write the laws but they're filling up these fucking prisons they have discretion we know that right we know when a cop pulls over another cop drunk as fuck he gets a fucking escort home he's not getting thrown in jail and his life ruined and so like i think our space has issues with police and policing because we've been victimized by this. And it's a one thing that we all have is we've all at one moment, whether we've gotten arrested or not, we have feared that our lives will be taken from us. And, you know, I know you mentioned that you have frustration with some brand owners in the space that are owned by former police. And I'm with you, you know, like you can't participate in this Mm -hmm. space if you're not actively trying to help it get better. And any cop, that would ever want to be in the space. I'd be like, cool, bro. How many people did you arrest that are still in jail today? You cannot participate in the space. As long as any motherfucker you've taken freedom away from still has not regained their freedom. And it's for people to use their dollars to vote that in. You know, it's
2: like, you know, there's not, we, you could, people can shout it from the mountaintop or take their position, but everyone has their opinion. But when you go and support the business, then you are supporting that, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I, but- I, I couldn't agree more, you know, like I, I try and I really do my best not to talk shit about mm-hmm. anyone's space and I'm, I'm not going to change that here today, but I can at least say um, support people that have risked their freedom for this space to exist and don't support people that have taken freedoms that have helped them get financially um, that, have, that have helped position them. To take further advantage of it right they've always made money off of cannabis users it used to be by locking them up and in the future it may be by selling them weed we shouldn't give them that ability um yeah they don't deserve it without talking shit about any brand or anyone out there that's just a general statement and if somebody's in a position where they could take that personally that's their work to do
2: (laughs) so now you get out of this this Basically, these lockdowns that are on you, right, with the cannabis, sure, sure. And how does it start to go from there? Where now you say two years later, ideas
1: of like I'm gonna start a yeah around hash and smoking. Um, You know, it it happened. It happened really naturally. So i I'm still a cannabis user through all of this, right? Like, I didn't. I didn't. Do you think you would have been able to, to to quit without cannabis, opiates, and all that? Oh man, maybe. Maybe, maybe with Suboxone or like other things they use, which is just another pharmaceutical trap for you to exist in forever. Um, I don't, I don't know. I I, I don't, I I don't think so. Like, I think that it would have gotten so bad that I would have had to have stopped, but I would imagine that I would have never broken my addiction. Like, it's not that, it's not that cannabis stopped me from being addicted to opiates. It was this bridge away from it because I'll tell you what man, when when you're recovering from opiates and you're taking a dab, the dab helps, but the pain is severe. It's not easy. It's not a cure for what you're going through by any means. Um but it's the relationship that I now have with this plant. I'm no longer addicted. I've made it past this and I have this new relationship with something that isn't harmful and is pulling a lot of curiosity for me. Like now I'm really curious about what this is, and I believe the first time I I saw like actual we're calling it wax in New York, which I try to get people to stop saying these days. Um, we got wax like 2010, I think, is when we saw it in New York for the first time. I didn't know how to use it. I tried to put it in joints. I tried to use it in anything I could, it sucked, it wouldn't work, get all over my fingers, like it was just really annoying for a weed head to engage with this thing with no means to do it. I would get like a swing arm because I heard that like you use those and then I took like a bodega shitty clear lighter and held it underneath and tried to melt it down, obviously the temperatures weren't getting there. And so I kept like engaging with Hash out of curiosity of why is there this thing that people are saying is fucking great? and I can't get an effect out of it. And then, I won't drop the company name out of respect, but um, there was only one company around at the time that dropped a, a wax pen in 2012. Easy context, we all know the brand name. I'm friendly with the owner, but some of this is a negative context, and I don't wanna put that on them. And I'm using these pens, and I'm like, holy shit. I'm walking around New York City, and I'm hitting this fucking vape pen. Nobody knows I'm smoking. This is before Jules. This is before big box mods were really taking off. So I'm fucking invisible. Nobody knows what I'm doing. It's like the blue e-cigs, right? Nobody's paying attention to that. And here's somebody who's been arrested multiple times. I have this new sense of freedom. So the first thing that Hash gave me was true discretion. Nobody knew what the fuck I was doing. And I was able to engage with the plant wherever the fuck I want without any problems. But now, these pens that I'm using are breaking on me. And I remember, I still have the fucking receipts in my fucking personal email. I went and placed like a $700 order on their Black Friday sale. They were running 40% off. I'm like, bet. I'm going to get these. I'll give it to my friends at 20% off. I'll get myself a couple extra units. They come, 70% of the units are broken. Remember, they used to come with glass, like... And it would just come with the glass shattered and shit and like not working. And they didn't even have a customer service department at the time. And all my friends are coming to me like, yo bro, what the fuck is up? Like this shit is breaking. (laughs) And a buddy of mine was like, you seem to really care about this. Why don't you try to do it yourself? And I don't know shit about product development. I'm not a designer, I'm not an engineer, which means that I had just the right amount of ignorance to say, yeah, I don't know why I wouldn't do this. And so I just started (laughs) taking that one step forward. Cause if you knew, if you knew how hard this was going to be, you might have not started it, man. No, you you might have been, I'm going to stay There's in the no trail. Yeah, I'm going to nah. keep doing what I do and like making money and not giving all my time to something that is going to take all my time and money. Um, but I didn't know anything about it and I was so obsessed. I was obsessed as a consumer, you know, like just buying everything they had and passing it along to friends. And that's when I got the bug, when it was like, okay, can I make this better? What would I make better? These chambers are super fucking small, man. Like I can't fit any good amount of shit in here and it explodes everywhere. And these things are really made out of mostly plastic. I don't want something made of plastic. There were points where like those small lipstick looking ones, if you're really cheaping on it and you open it up, you, mal- you melted all the plastic around the chamber. Like that's fucking horrible. And man, I wish I could like change the temperature and like variable voltage batteries existed for e-cigs but nobody was really using them in wax pens at the time i hate that term but it's relevant to that period and so i got to work on the first puffco pro which was the device that earlier you said you tried at a chalice which had a chamber that was like three and a half times bigger any popular chamber existing at the time um It was made fully out of metal. There were no plastics or glues in the air path whatsoever. And it had an adjustable voltage battery, which was the first time that it had been applied to our space. Mind you, all of these things in some form existed. I believe the most custom thing that we made was in the chamber. It was the bigger bucket and it was how we did the chamber. But everything else was like using existing things in the space, because I'm not a designer and I'm not an engineer. So all I have is to play with all the pieces, and to draw stuff up and it turns out making a ceramic bowl is not the hardest thing ever so getting that bigger chamber was pretty easy for great
2: mouthpiece too though and you used all quality components because when you held it you could feel the weight it's like when you hold a nice watch it's like oh shit this feels different it really had this i'm i'm i I still to this day remember my first time using it because i it I felt the same freedom you did. I was like, I can smoke wax all over them. Holy shit.
1: And the journey was tough, right? Like we started, I started, the Chelsea joined a few months later when I could afford to pay her because I don't believe in internships or free labor. And we started in, it was incorporated in March of 2013. I believe I bought puffco.com with 1200 bucks I borrowed from my mom in January of 2013. And then January of 2014, we come out with a product. It's actually called the Puffco Classic. Almost nobody knows about this. This was one order. We ordered it. It came. The target was creating an experience that was better than the one that I was trying to improve the experience on. And I got this and I hit it and I'm like, this is good, but it's barely better. Like this isn't that massive of an impact. And I just scrapped the whole thing. We did one order, sold it to two or three head shops. Um, and we moved on to make the Puffco pro and, The Puffco Pro comes out in October of 2014. Day one, we get 12 orders. I was so fucking proud. I was running the Instagram. I was taking the pictures at that point. Like I was before auto-likers looking at the Ice Wax hashtag and liking every single thing obsessively for hours throughout the day to catch people's attentions. Hashtag Florida Dabbers. It's probably how I came up on y'all. Is like I would sit there, Florida Dabbers. That was one of my hashtags where I'm liking every single one, trying to get people to notice this very small two-person New York brand. Um, And October, 2014, we drop. And then April, 2015, I get a call from Jen Bernstein at high times. You won best vaporizer of the year 2015. And our company is nothing at that point. It's four people. It's me, Chelsea, one person with customer service, just helping us communicate. And then Daniel, who's still with us um, in shipping. And uh, man, I still remember getting that call. Me and Chelsea had like a uh, an argument that day, which there were tons of early in the day. I was a much bigger idiot. And she left. And she was like, I fucking I'm so sick of your bullshit. And she leaves. And I get this call from Jen Bernstein. And the first thing I do is like drop my phone. And we called our offices the Kennels because they were in like this building where they drop they pieced off hundred square foot offices, just fucking tiny. And so I run out of this hundred square foot office and start running down the hallways up and down. Oh my fucking God, we did it, we did it. I called Chelsea and I'm like, get back here. And she's like, no, I'm mad at you. And I'm like, we won fucking high times. It was like the last year I feel like that award even mattered, you know, like since then it hasn't felt, we won 2016 as well, most awarded vape pen with the plus. But it meant so much back then. It was like this really short path of holy shit, let me try something. Let me learn about it. Okay, I'm going to call this thing Puffco. Let me try to design something. Okay, this isn't the best I could do. I think I could do better. Trying again. And then, boom, this first real, we believe in this and we're putting out there starts consuming the space. Um, And yeah, that's kind of like that quick, early jumpstart journey we had. And winning that high times thing changed everything for us. It got us the revenue. Um, I think we made like $2 million our first year in 2015, which, um, I think to a lot of brands today is like not a lot of money, but back then it was everything. And I didn't pay myself a ton. So like all that money stayed in the business. And that is why as of today, nine, is it nine years later, 2013? Yeah. Nine years later, nine and a half. Fuck we're, we're encroaching on 10. Puffco is no investors period. So like all that entire way You know, for the audience watching, we just kept flipping the bag, right? Right. Like let's just reinvest it. Yeah, which is why we get to make the decisions we make of doing things that aren't always making the most financial sense, but we do it it because we answer to ourselves. We spend upwards of a million dollars on PuffCon and recover almost none of that money back. And who the fuck would approve that if they're here just serving shareholders and serving investors? Nobody is doing that. But we get to do that. Why? Because we fuck with our community. We wanna throw a party and have everybody come and rub elbows with the people that helped us create this culture. So, like, that's the kind of stuff you get to do when you're lucky enough to make it to this stage without investors.
2: That's wow. epic, man. And that is, and, and that's when the and there's something that happens. And, and this is where I wanna, you took it from improving and, and, and seeing other products to creating something that the the blueprint for something sure. very different than anything sure. else out there and literally changed the game. Thank I, you. I like Thank you. it was crazy when this pens it but when this hit when the peak when the first hit mm-hmm. it was like I, I they were everywhere. People were buying them out, upselling <laughs> them like it was like you couldn't get them. They were we so easy.
1: Yeah we couldn't make them fast enough. I could tell the story of of the peak real quick. So I've I've talked about like hiring people and how tough that is. Um, Our current chief technology officer wasn't our first engineer, um, but he was our first really fucking talented engineer. And as soon as he joins, he's like, what do you want me to work on today? What do you want me to work on big picture? And I'm like, all right, today I need you to work on the Puffco Plus, the Puffco Pro is being copied to death. I don't even wanna make it anymore. I'm like, anytime somebody copies the fuck out of what I do and at that point we don't have a lot of intellectual property, I just wanna move on. Y'all took that have it. I'm gonna do something new. I'm not, a ta- I-, I am bigger, we are bigger than any single idea. You know, so like you could take what's easy to take and we'll focus on something bigger. And then you take that. And if people want to be at the forefront of what is amazing in the space, they'll know who to go to. So the plus is what we're working on at the time because the pro is being copied to death um, after winning that award. And he's like, okay, plus what's the big dream? And I'm like, man, the dream is at this time I'm dabbing nonstop. I'm not really using our vape pens a ton. I'm using them, but like my main form of consumption in 2016 is dabbing. If you think back to then, those are the pre-run days when people would say flower is pre-run, because all they fucking care about is hash. Um, and I'm dabbing a ton, and I'm like, bro, I can't dab in New York. If I go to my friends, this is the home of the crack era and they see a torch and they see a rig, they're like, bro, get that crackhead shit away from me. You're doing too fucking much. And I'm like, I really want something that can give people a dab very similar to what they can get torching. Um, And I want it to be beautiful so there's no stigma attached. (laughs) So the original design like instruction for this was maybe let's make something that looks like a beer bottle. So if people are walking around a party with it, Nobody's going to look at something that looks like a beer bottle. You could have a rig in your hand and just keep it moving. And it's an automated dab. So you don't got to do all that extra shit that makes people uncomfortable. And that's what I told him when he started, you know, January or February in 2016. And then we spent the rest of the year talking about it, ideating, not doing much. And then I believe... January 2017 is when we were like, let's fucking go. We're making this thing. Um we got nothing to lose, like believe fully in this idea. And then February of 2018 is when it dropped. And that again, just as big as that high times moment, that changed everything for us. And it probably also entered like one of the most challenging periods for me to be a leader. There's like a lot of new challenges that came that I didn't have to deal with as much when we were smaller. That's what um,
2: I wanted to ask you. How are you, the business starts to take off, right? And it mm. goes from this small, you know, you and a friend, Chelsea, and one other to how, how are you handling this? Or you have, do you bring people in, do you have a mentor, do
1: you have someone to kind of help you, faci- you know, guide yourself through all this? Yeah, man, that was the hardest part is, I hope I don't say this and get a bunch of DMs because I don't talk to anyone, but I do talk to some leaders in the space. If I see somebody's doing something and they reach out, Like, hey, bro, could I just tap your perspective? I give them time because I had no mentors, man. I had like, there's there's people that I would turn to for perspective. There was a friend that told me, maybe you should start doing this. But nobody could prepare me for this journey. And most people that gave me feedback, it just served their perspective. They weren't really helping me get through the challenges. And it wasn't until January of 2021 that I actually got an executive coach. I didn't know that that thing even fucking existed. And that was the first time I got somebody who was like, hey, bro, everything you're going through is normal. And I know that. And most people around you won't know that because they haven't experienced it. And I can help contextualize how to get through this. Not exactly what you do, but normalize what you're going through so you don't have to carry such a heavy burden. But those early days, nah, man, who do you, who do you talk to? Who do you reach out? Most people like, that know that I'm in the cannabis game in general are looking down on me. So like to get the most brilliant minds that I have to give me advice is they're not even respecting what I'm doing. I'm not going to get a good, good advice from them. So I was uh, pretty severely on my own when it comes to experience and learning the hard way and not having somebody help save me some of the missteps. When you guys were
0: designing the peak, how, how big of a company were you at at that point?
1: Um, honestly, pretty big at that point. I believe that when we moved from... New York to LA, it was 13 employees. That was about it. The product team itself at that point was, we had an industrial designer um, who who didn't want to move to LA with us, he had a family in New York. We had Roger Sayer, who's still on the team. We had Avi, who is our head, um, who is our chief technology officer. And there's one more I'm wondering that I can't remember. I think there was one other product person, but that might've been it. It was like a three person product team and, and you know, them working with me. Um, But yeah, that was, that was it. It was a super small team, really fucking scrappy. I can't believe we got it done.
2: And still based in New Jersey. All right. No, no, oh, we were in already out here. We, we, were yeah.
1: ne- we, yeah, we were never in Jersey. Okay, we, like, yeah, yeah. We, we, um, I mean, like the business started in my mom's basement when there was nobody there. Um, but then as soon as we had an office, that office was in New York. I was already living in New York um, by that time. But yeah, it was there. And then in 2018, I just decided to move the whole company to LA. It was really crazy too. Cause like I moved from LA to, from New York to LA. I had, I believe... Maybe one month payroll on the bank account for all employees. And I believe I had two months rent in my bank account, my personal one in total, like just two months of rent um, and moved everybody across, paid for relocation, dropped a hundred grand deposit on the new office to get it, um, really put it on the line. And I can say, I'm not a gambling man. Like there was not a moment I thought it wouldn't work out. There was like not a single second where I was like, this is not going to go over well. I believed in my heart of hearts that like the peak was going to change the industry. It would be widely adopted and it would give us all the funding we need to do whatever the fuck we want to do. And that's what happened. And if there was any challenge, it was like we couldn't make enough of them in 2018. There just wasn't the glass portion is so hard to make. It took us a long time to get that to meeting scale. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You summed up a big moment in a in a
0: short um, a few sentences there, but like yeah. you guys moved to LA and then
1: you drop it or did it drop and then you moved to LA? No, we were, I, 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 I mean, technically like we announced it and moved to LA because I remember I was already in LA, just kind of a sad moment. I wish I didn't do it that way. But when we dropped the launch video, which like, I still have that music from the launch video playing in my head, must've seen that video like 30,000 times. Um. And the team was all watching the launch video in our Brooklyn offices. They were like closing it down and getting ready to move. I believe I moved in January and they moved in February. So like, I, I regret not being there with my team for that moment. I think we might've FaceTimed or something. Um, but yeah, no, we were, it was, it was already happening. Like it was yeah, in, motion. in motion. It wasn't like, Basically, it was happening before I had any confirmation that this was the right move. Why? LA? Which I think is what you're asking. Yeah. Well, why from New York? Because most people would say, "Oh, like, well, that's an epicenter of you know everything as well." Sure. I mean, in New York, the employees that I was getting—not not certainly not all of them—certainly not my chief technology officer—but a lot of the employees we were getting did not respect cannabis, and I've always known that the secret sauce to success in business is people. If you have brilliant people around you, you are going to fucking win. Any person who pretends like they are solely responsible for a massive success is a liar <laughs> and a grifter, yeah. and abusive to their team because they won't give credit where it's where, where it's owed. But at the time, I can't get people, so I wanna hire a recruiter. And I'm, I'm in this process of hiring a recruiter. She makes it to the final stage, right? Because I know I need to get the right people in, and I gotta hire the team that can do that. And in the final stage of the interview, the, the recruiter is like, I'm sorry, I can't take the job. And I'm like, oh, what, what happened? She's like, my parents told me they'd be too embarrassed if I took it. And I was like, gut punch, you know? Like, fuck, bro, how do you battle that? The fuck am I going to do? Start talking to parents in the interview process to try to convince them that their kids, kids, this is like a 26-year-old that I'm talking to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, Living in, in New over. York City,
2: paying their, you know, yeah. You yeah. know,
1: and then like, as soon as I have the thought of like, why don't we accept applications from Los Angeles? Like, why don't we just post in California and see if anybody will apply? And if it works, maybe we'll move there. And as soon as we did that, I had a person apply from Beats by Dre. And this was their first operations employee and was there all the way through to their exit to Apple. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm here having recruiters tell me that their parents would be embarrassed for working with me. On the other side, I'm getting one of the most successful tech companies to transact in the last few years and some of their talent is interested in what we're doing. And we just start seeing that applications from employees at SpaceX, applications from employees at Apple and other shit. And you're like, oh my God, they have no stigma for cannabis. These people don't see it as something negative. In fact, they're like, I can get in early on this industry and make a name for myself. And so that's really what caused me to move to LA is I couldn't build my team in New York. And in LA, Again, not that it's easy. It's so tough to find the right people, but you can do work in LA. You could have conversations. You could find somebody who is, has all the experience and is down. And you're like, actually you might not be a good fit in New York. You're taking whatever the fuck you can get. Yeah. And they don't respect what you do. How the fuck is somebody going to help me build out our dreams if they don't even respect the game? So yeah, that was, uh, that was a big reason why we moved to LA. It's just crazy timing too. And so did you know, like by the end of the year, you guys were already seeing it in the numbers and everything? Oh, instantly. Like instantly. everything was selling right, right. out instantly. I remember we had like a board up of what hour of the day we would sell out. Like we would drop something and we'd all take, I'm not, I'm onto not sports betting, but I guess like. The people that are, you bet on like the time and the amount or something or like the time and goals they, they score. Um, and we were just betting on it, what hour it would sell out just like purely for fun. But it was popping and it was charged, man, right? If you're in a space and you're popping off and 99% of people in that space have not heard of you in this space, you're about to face a ton of adversity um and that's what came next you know like you get the business success everybody is into it but now all eyes in the space are on you and guess what our people do not trust they don't let somebody come in nobody gets to just walk into the space and do that never mind the fact that like i'm at mothership in 2016 giving every employee their free vape pens they're like i've been lacing people in the game hash makers and glass blowers for years. So like no glassblower can say, what the fuck is this company? They know that it's me and they know it's this guy who has loved their space for a long time, but everyone else doesn't know that. So it launches to this Chinese company is entering the space to screw everybody over. They're going to copy glass artists and do all these fucked up things and all of the conspiracy theories about what's about to happen with this new popular product. And that's actually when the Instagram live started. It was like, hey man, I'm here. I'm transparent. I'm not. I'm not running this business to serve me to get fucking rich and have a Rolex. I'm rocking a fucking Apple Watch to have a ben. I, I'm not doing it for any of that. I'm here because I fucking love this game and I love this plant. And so I just started going live and being like, come on up. Are you a Chinese company? Well, we manufacture in China, just like the people that made the cell phone that you're writing those complaints on. But this is an American company. And like, this is run by Americans. And you're saying, I'm gonna copy people in the space. I'm gonna copy my friends. Like you're, you're saying I'm gonna knock off somebody that I have a relationship with. That doesn't make sense. And I've been doing it ever since because everybody always has something to say of like, these are your intentions. We know this. We know that typically corporations are bad. You did the research, man. So I was like, We're all actually right. actually just about to get into that. Yeah, oh, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Did you know when, oh, Thank you so much. Yeah.
2: Yeah, coffee delivery on Mm. cue. Yo, what up? It's Blackleaf. I'm here at Grow Generation, and guess what? Drip Hydro storming the market. All the best growers I know are switching to it. And guess what? There's a reason. Because it's preserving terps. I keep hearing that, preserving terps. And that's why we're here with Sunshine. Facility advisor, facility manager, overall the man with Drip Hydro. Listen to why it's different, man. What's going on, guys? Sunny here with Drip Hydro. Thing is, at the end of the day, we just wanted to make a simple, clean, cost-effective nutrient line that nobody has really seen. On the market right now. Nobody uses really our chelation formulas, Uh, the micronutrients that we have pulled to make this line, because really just what makes it overall bringing that consistency and quality back to what we want to see in growing herb again. And Overall, at the end of the day, it's still really light on your wallet. It's a five-part nutrient line. And again, if you're not staying sterile or you have a big facility and you don't want to run Rockwell and you want to run a mix of cocoa with an enzyme or something, you don't even have to run Flow with it. So at the end of the day, it's just saving you money on your wallet while bringing the consistency and the quality of Terps back. We wanted to bring the Terps back and bring the soul back to growing. Versatility, cost-effective, and quality. I mean, what else can you ask for?
0: Drip Hydro, first smoke of the day. Black Leaf approved peace so we got a special offer for you guys whether you go in person or you order online any grow generation over 60 nationwide retailers the code is first smoke 10 and you're going to get 10% off an additional 10% off your already discounted price use the code first smoke 10 tell them the first smoke family sent you they're going to take care of you Support the show, hop on the Patreon. We got new shows dropping, we got
2: off the mic. We have so much stuff in store for you guys and stuff dropping
0: every single week. Hop on the Patreon, first smoke of the day. New shows, checking in with Pack Odds and Blackleaf. We're doing a live each month and a lot of other shit. Off We the haven't mic. told you guys yet. Make sure you get on the Patreon. We'll see you guys soon. Peace. Uh Did Coffee you cannabis. know
2: that- when you can't, cause this is genius because you, if this wasn't the way this is glassed up, right? Glassblowers could be like, oh, you're replacing what I do. You're my competition, right? Yep. But the way you did this, you brought everyone's one. You're like, no, we work together. Now I opened a door for a glassblower, right? You you actually opened another avenue for glassblowers to do other part of art, not just blow rigs. It's like, this is so unique it's all collaboration, right, even with like the caps and you even with hope.
1: the plastics and the I'm
2: mean, everything oh, please it's still help any
1: of it um you would hope right, but we we officially dropped this at uh American Glass Expo in 2018, which is a glass heavy show intentionally right like I want glass blowers to see um we're making a platform for them and I remember going around and showing it to homies, glass homies. And I remember as soon as I showed it to him, he's like, oh, this is your new thing, huh? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, how much are you charging for this? I believe we're charging 379 389 or something for the OG Peak. He's like, okay. Yeah, man, I make $400 rigs. I'm about to be out of business. I'm like, dog. You think about it all wrong. Like you can still make your pieces. You're just gonna make them attached to this. Now you're gonna reach people that never even heard of your work before. And that person came back a year later and was like, "I get it. I see it." Like it took me some time to understand. But then you had other glass blowers like Elbow, and there's a video of him on my page at that American Glass Expo, coming over and being like, "We weren't even homies at the time." You're like, "What is this thing? Trying it, hitting it, hitting it on camera." And being like, I fucks with this. Like, I really, really like this. So it was a little bit of the elbow energy, tiny, tiny bit, but mostly fear. People build their lives off of this. They send their kids to college. They pay their bills. They they have given themselves a life by creating art or product that serves hash. And now somebody is coming in that might suck the interest out of that space. And I think if you talk to glassblowers today and you ask, has Puffco been good or bad for the glass scene? I think most of them are going to say they've actually been great. We have new customers that we haven't had before. We're selling work at a rate that we haven't. I've had artists personally reach out and say, especially when the proxy came out, I haven't done this much work since like 2015 or 2014. So now it's felt, but we had to chew through a lot of the skepticism To get here and be down to deal with it you know like not just be like "fuck you you don't get it but be like i understand why you're concerned here is why you shouldn't be and repeat it till you're blue in the fucking face
2: bro for real and it it is like that it's so crazy because it's such a collaboration piece and like it it opened doors it's a platform for glass blowers it's so many things it really is it's thank you thank you it's so simple but also if you smoke out of this and you get used to how enjoyable this is, you're more open to then smoking out of a rig. So sure. this definitely opened the door to hash for so many more people than a, a, a torch and a rig would. This is an easy sell for someone like my mom or someone that like, oh, you just put the (laughs) hash in here and you clean it out with a Q-tip. Then after a couple years of this, you see it and you see a rig set up and they're like, this is just a different form of that. It's definitely an
1: easier like, oh, okay. I had that moment in 2019, we were doing Emerald's cup and um, I've always been in my head because like I'm here to serve the community. And when you're transparent, you let people tell you why they think you suck. And you're constantly answering to that. I'm never going to switch that up but it fucks with your head. And there could become points where you question yourself, like, am I actually doing things to serve the space? Or is that not being felt? Because if it's not being felt, why the fuck am I doing this? And 2019, we have at Emerald's Cup, we have the Puffco building, the awards are Puffco collaborations, and the energy was great. That Emerald's Cup like really showed me we we had done all the right things. There's this one pivotal moment where this homie comes in from Florida, he comes through and he's rocking a Jeezy one, whatever forever hoodie. And if you're in the space, you know that that's like somebody who makes merch really for people in the scene. I don't think a lot of people out of our space are rocking his merch. And he's rocking that and he's got his Pelican and he's like, bro, I gotta tell you, I did not know a single glass artist's name until the peak came through. And I got a rig and I got a nail and I got all this shit and I fucking love this space. Thank you for putting me on. And it meant the fucking world to me because that was the goal. The goal was, this is just another pathway to the same place that we all love. And here's a user that would have never existed in the space that now does. And it's not because we made something to steal attention away from others. It's because we just created another stepping stone to get to this place that we all love. And it's felt now. I think that the majority feels this way. And there's always going to be people that, you know, you still haven't won over. Um... So elegant. I mean, it's, these are the shit. Yeah.
0: Crazy. What were you just smoking on, man? Let's talk about that. Um, you were getting- The consistency it. of that's crazy. wasn't. Before didn't, my
1: head. Yeah, I didn't-, I didn't. It's turning, it's, yeah. a, it's fresh press. Well, You took a chunker out of here. It's fresh press, and it's like in its buttering up stage. So you got that real saucy type of dab. I'm gonna take one in a little bit. I just, I feel like the answers will take a dive once, once I get high. <laughs> Yeah, it gets more
2: relaxed. That's for sure. Uh, so, so now you move to LA, and the orders are coming in heavy, right? Is it is it okay? Now let's build this this community. Let's get more involved. Let's come up with another product. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or is it just focus all on the peak as much as we can? So,
1: evolution of that. Um, the peak, the the target for the peak when we were designing was let's make something that is ninety five percent as good as a regular dab. That was the target. Like we just knew that it would be so hard to beat a dab with our first attempt at this. We shouldn't even try it. And I actually thought as we were going through the development of the OG peak, we would not come close to a regular dab. And I felt it, the taste wasn't as good. And then right in that final hour, we finally got our settings to the point where they tasted fucking great. But we set a plan around a table, which is weird because the plan worked out to the T, exactly what we set in 2017. And it was first device, 95% as good as a regular dab. Second device, 99% as good. Third device, 99.9. And what those three things ended up being was OG Peak, 95%, Peak Pro, 99%, Peak Pro, the 3D Chamber, 99.9. And I'm sure there are people that are watching this like, bro, shut the fuck up, a dab will slap. I hear you, I hear you to the hash nerds, to the people with the temp readers and all the (laughs) other things. I hear you, I get it, yeah. All the heady boys. It can take you to an extra level that maybe this can't take you to for that 0.1%. But most people that are taking a dab and taking this, they're gonna choose the consistency of this that they can dial in every single time.
2: Yeah, it's like so so will a hot dab, but not every, you know what I'm saying? It's like there's levels to all of it and it's like, where do you wanna be in that, yeah.
1: Yeah. So like, and we're, again, we're not, we're not trying to beat it. We're not trying to beat dabs. We're trying to create consistency in experience and we're using torched dabs as the ceiling of what we can create consistency for. And that's what we're here for, you know, just to make it easier for you, not be the thing you use all the time, but be one of the best tools in your tool shed.
0: Yeah. Get you some pack odds. It's that moon boat. Yeah, I can tell. Ooh, smells I like had it. To. That trichodelic trichodelics is ugly, but his <laughs> it'll get you coughing, huh? It is. <laughs> the people at home love it when I take it yeah, it's, it's nice a dab. Yeah. How nice is that fire. hit though? <laughs> Insane. Isn't it? When and I, you feel dope just having it. Like
1: it lights up you know, crazy. What I want you guys Perfect. to hit is this trichodelics. Um the Starburst OG Six Star. Oh, man. it's like this it. is it right here. Yeah, let me try. I'll get one. Yeah. I'm gonna be getting coughing. I'm like packing. It's just a different feeling than <laughs> Raza. Like it's, it hits so nice, huh? Yeah, this thing's, I remember. I mean, you at the Emerald this guy Cup, needed this. you
2: guys were the actual trophies. Yeah, that's the dopest shit ever. Yeah. I mean, it's like oh you want like before it was glassblowers this but it turned into <laughs> where like the trophies for the emerald cup for the people who won the top prizes were custom
1: peaks yeah with a ryan fit top super heady sick i believe that's happening this year again right i think it is yeah i think we're doing wow. that, that again this year we have the puffco building and stuff yeah shout out to emerald cup it's been a great partnership with them we really fuck with them oh
2: that hash looks so good yeah this would be a good one we're gonna let's get this
1: I'm a big fan of Trichedelics and that water hash to me is like something I've yet to see people beat. This is genius. Supreme,
0: definitely. It's top tier.
1: It really is. Yeah. You guys, pl- just a plug uh, real quick, watch the Trichedelics episode, please. Most That's definitely. Super if you haven't homie. seen it already, make sure you catch the trike episode.
0: And we we go to his after party too. He went, he had the alchemist spin oh, sick. in yeah, and yeah, pre-PuffCon. Yep,
1: yep, yep. That thing was turned up, I heard. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. was really popular. He had kids lined
0: up. It was crazy. I don't, so don't know really if I'm able to see.
2: Jumping forward, but PuffCon
0: was absolutely
2: insane. Like, Fucking I mean awesome. This is what's been missing in our space for since since legalization, you know, quotes, right? Thank you. Was that good we lost chalices, we lost smoke, good events, chill. community. We lost love for each other. The face-to-face love that people show gets lost in the online hate. And people, I feel like a lot of times will be like, oh man, everyone hates each other. Everyone's battling. Why is everyone fighting? But then you get together at these events, you realize, like, no, that's like a very minute portion that's very loud. Yeah. And in these events like PuffCon, you get to literally like everyone's hugging, everyone's showing off, mm-hmm. like stuff, everyone's and and it's all based on what you guys have created. It's unbelievable.
1: I mean, it's to me, the, I went into this year's PuffCon being like, this is getting way too expensive. I don't know if I want to keep doing this. Like I want to try to spend the money on other projects. Like we don't have an endless pool of money. There's only so much that we can do. And seeing the energy at this one was just like, we cannot stop doing this. This is so important for the space. We'll find a way to get our money back or not lose as much in the future, but the energy is just unmatched. And I think a part of it is that there's no alcohol puff which I think already keeps it really fucking nice. I, I don't like being around, around drunks, but also everybody is there for the love of hash, man. Like a lot of, a lot of the haters online, they're just spectators, man. Like they, their engagement with other humans is that negative energy? Like some of these people are at home all day; it's the only interaction they get. And like, then you go and you see people out the street. Man, I, funny enough, as, as funny as it is with like haters, I had this one point where somebody—I forgot what I did—but somebody took something hella personally online. I, I really forgot what it was. And mind you, I never talk shit about anybody publicly. So like, I know it wasn't that, but they might have perceived it. And they're like, "Man, I'm gonna catch you." So kept sending me DMs, bro. I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you somewhere, bro. I'm telling you, I'm going to catch you. And like, listen, man, I'm from New York. Like, I don't want to say like, I don't want to be in any type of altercation, but it wouldn't be the first one I would, I would be in if it were to happen. Um, and so I'm there and like, I, I let Kevin know. Kevin runs all of our events. Shout out to him for what he did with PuffCon. And I'm like, I don't know, bro. This guy seems to be really obsessed with he is going to, you know, give me a fade at Hall of Flowers, I guess. And he's like, no, he's not. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, you sure, bro? I just don't want to make it weird. I don't want to see fans see me fighting somebody or anything like that. He's like, I promise you nothing is going to happen. And sure enough, at the show, a group of dudes comes up up to me, all dabbing me up. Fucking what's up, dude? Big fan, appreciate you. Soon as they leave, he was like, yo, that fifth person to shake your hand, that was the dude that said he was going to lump you up. And like, that's... That's how it goes, man. People, people, they do have mental issues. Some of them um, in the space, in the space. Yeah. Um, and you know, they. I think they want to exert control over it by you know either trying to engage you in negativity. Um, and for me, one hundred percent of the time, it's always love in person. It's 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 love or non engagement. And I wish, ah, man. There, there is something about that relationship with people in our space and sometimes the hatred that a lot of creators in our space experience. And one line that I think can contextualize it the best is a very old Jay-Z line that I was listening to as a teenager. And it is, if I shoot you, I'm brainless. If you shoot me, you're famous, right? That's what the fuck are you supposed to do? If somebody goes and talks shit about you, they're going to get on. If you go and you talk shit about Puffco, you're going to get engagement. You're gonna catch people like, you know what, man? Actually, fuck them, bro. If I say something, if I'm in those comments defending myself, I look like an idiot and they won't care what I say. The platform is now, I have, engaged, I have stooped myself down to their level. And I have homies that I feel like, they get caught up in this man, they are leaders of the space, and then they have somebody who is trolling them and talking shit, and then they're platforming that person by publicly engaging with them. And when it comes to negativity in our space, I think if you're a leader and you're a creator, you have to give it no water. You have to focus on you specifically. Why? Because the people that don't fuck with you, they're focused on you. And as soon as you focus on them, you're not chasing your dreams. You're not going and focusing on your goals. And that's the only way people like this win. Their target, if they're smart enough to know it, is I will distract this person from going where I don't want him to go. And if you have the ability, if you can control yourself enough and not give into that negativity, you're going to keep winning as long as you focus on your dreams. And as soon as you turn away and look at the hate, it's going to hurt you. And it doesn't mean like, don't be accountable, right? I'm still out there. I do a live every day. You can come back. I think this thing you did was really poorly intentioned. Be like, Hey, bro, these are my intentions. This is exactly why I did this. If it wasn't a good idea, let me know. And like, maybe I can reconsider this. And if you're just going to reply with that, like, shut up, clown, fuck you. Okay, there's nothing else for us to talk about here, but I'm going to move on. You, you can sit with those feelings. I got to move on to what I'm chasing. Um, and I do think that that's something that you probably see with your friends. You guys probably experience it. You have to be the most listened to podcast coming from the game right now right and that's going to mean that every person that wanted to participate is probably going to have words for you or they're going to see what you do and be like, well if i did it i would have done it this way they're not doing it you are and if you give them a second of attention they're winning you have you have given them your vibrations instead of focusing on your own um anyways elegantly oh, put yeah. and perfect
0: F- fully agree yeah for anybody chasing uh a passion or a dream or working on especially a project, in this game you know and you start seeing some results the first thing that comes is people and the negativity and the feedback and all, the, just nothing you can work off of yeah i mean you know, it's, it's not- nothing like i tell them I, I don't look at the comments at all and i tell the team i'm like give us give me something that we can work off of sure if not leave it like i don't need it I, it's, it's i don't give a fuck what someone has to say off their computer come see me in real life
1: and even then it's like, you know. Like, you know we I've done talk, that too. I used to be like, yo, here's my travel dates. I'll be at <laughs> no, these places. No, no, just
0: events or whatever, come talk. People yeah. come talk.
1: The real people a come real talk, sure. And it's
0: love. Oh, always. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's like you said, or non-engagement. And it's like, dude, like, yeah, you can be with that. Like, it's all good. It's You know, you'll never get to the winning side acting like that. And never you really, seen one, right? You ever yeah, see nah. a hater The real win? players, I talk yeah. about this, real players in the game all respect each other. And when you mm-hmm. see them interact together, it's totally different than what, what you would think. Totally. It's not a yeah. competitive, like, yo, fuck you. No, it's like, oh, i seen you did it's this. I spectators, like that. Bro. You know, it's, a, it's a level up, you it's, know? And, it, it's, and talk about that, because you you, t- you said it off camera, which, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and plug our Patreon. The behind the scenes mm. has got all the shit that we didn't say on here. But you talk about that, um, about why you don't like sports.
1: Oh, yeah. So, like, spectators, right? Like, I... I think that, you know, it's easy to say, well, I don't like sports. I don't like sports because there's a bunch of people that are completely controlled by like I'm going out here I'm screaming terrible things at a motherfucker like stand up when you do this these motherfuckers seem crazy controlling and really obsessed and like your team does bad your day is ruined but they're all spectators right it's like these people are hitting the gym training doing all of this and then being like actually I could see he did his best there and man I hope he's okay they're like you fucking suck I can't that's, that's super, super low vibration for me, but that's also our space. A lot of people are spectating and they choose teams. I had a homie, I won't say who, but I had a homie in the space that we did something creatively and he's a creative in the space. Um, and we did something and people were like, yo bro, That's exactly like this one company that we fuck with, bro. Puffco, you're copying them. Mind you, this is my fucking homie. We're both tapping the same well. We're both drawing inspiration from the same place. And he hits me up one day and he's like, I don't know, bro. Like, I'm kind of tight seeing these comments. Like, I don't know why they keep bringing it up. Like, I know you didn't copy me. Like, I could see the differences, but I'm a little bit tight about this. And I'm like, bro, don't let people who love you steer you to hate. Because that's what they're doing. They're not reaching out to you and being like, fuck this company, they knocked you off. They're saying that we appreciate your vision so much that when we see anybody do something similar, we feel like it's watering down what you do. And We appreciate you. I'm like, don't let that love that they're showing you because they don't know how to contextualize it lead you to believe, man, motherfuckers are trying to take shit from me. And he fully got it in that moment. He was like, you're absolutely right. They just love me. This isn't about... Them hating what you did here. And again, we didn't do anything wrong. It was like they released a t-shirt, we put put up a post, the font was a little bit similar. They don't typically, it was such a small thing that super fans would notice, though. And it's like when you're a spectator, you're going to be all about your team. And sometimes you're going to think that the way you support your team is by hating on others. And that's actually complicating for people. If you're a brand owner and you have people out there being like, man, I fuck with this brand and that's why it's fuck you. That doesn't help the brand. It doesn't help them win. It doesn't help convert people. If you really think you love your brand and there's another one out there doing something better, you're not going to pull people to the other side by hating on the other thing. You wanna talk about what you love and draw them in. And so I think sometimes people just have this poor relationship with things they're a fan of. I'm a fan of this, so I got to say, fuck you. I'm a fan of fucking Tesla. So when I see a Polestar, fuck you Polestar with Tesla gang. I have an iPhone, Android, iPhone gang, baby. Jobs is better. <laughs> Yo, shh. Come on, bro. It ain't that serious, <laughs> homie. It ain't that serious. Yeah, that's we, like one in five people for sure. And, and one in three. And yeah. who do you want to be? You know, like when you're an older person, you look back at what you did in your younger days. Do you want to be the, the person who put people on to things you love or things you hate? Because like, it's not useful to put people on to things you hate. You know what I mean? Like, it's not useful for me to walk around saying a cab. It's useful for me to walk around being like, we deserve better than a militarized police that isn't solving crime, that is oppressing our communities, that has historically made us feel unsafe. We have to change this construct by any means. Maybe it's getting rid of them. Maybe it's changing what they do. Maybe it's incorporating other services that can help us. But when you're just leading with fucking hate, it's a non-starter for a bunch of people. So if you really fuck with your brand, if you fuck with Puffco, Tell people why you love Puffco. Don't tell people why the other brand sucks. Forget about them, you're platforming them. Tell them why what we do is special and what you love about us. And if you're not a Puffco fan and you're a fan of someone else, Honor the creatives and the visionaries and the people that built these brands by contextualizing what's so great about them, not what you shouldn't go to someone else for. It's silly, it's not useful, and it makes our space seem hella immature. Like when I have homies come through that are I'm I'm homies like uh I have plant homies. They're into growing plants, cactus, other heady plants and shit. And I remember when I first Became friends with them. There was some controversy going on. People were mad about something. They come into like my live and they're like, bro, what is happening? Motherfuckers are in there hating. And it happened to be, it's almost all love on my lives, but it happened to be on a one day where it was bad. And I'm like, yeah, man, people in our space are really passionate. And like when they don't understand something or they're confused, they typically turn to frustration and anger. And you have to kind of dissolve that to help them understand but my God, if, he's, if you're looking as an outsider at our space, it is not inviting. No, it's, it's not, not normal. It's like people will be like, what like, what the fuck is going on? If you on? want to tell your mom to listen to First Smoke of the Day and you send her an Instagram post and she looks in the comments and it's a bunch of people being like, yeah. they fucking said this dumb thing and this dumb thing or there, yeah. this other, man, moms is not going to want to check this out. Like, it's laughable in the comments. You know, so like that's for any creative out there, one, if you're in your position, if you're in the creator or brand owner's position, just never give any shine to the haters. Like when I get somebody in my DMs being like, I hate that I do this, but I still do this. If they're like, fuck you, bro, I don't like that you do some bad shit in the space. Uh, I'll reply, I'm like, all right, bro, that's a funny way to ask for help. What, what am I not doing in the space that you don't like? Fuck you, bro, I don't need to tell you shit okay, what can I do? You know what I mean? Like you talk shit. I came through and was like, I'm going to listen to you here. You you can actually tell me, find another CEO in the space that you can DM, send a clown emoji to that will reply and be like, do you need help? You're not going to fucking find one. And it's okay. Like I don't do it for them. I do it for the people that are like, holy shit. I never expected you to reply. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. But If you lead with love, that's how we cure the shit in the space. There will just be less of a platform for people that only engage with negative energy here.
2: I love that. Lead with love. I love that, man. That's really cool. Um, Your journey, your passion for hash is a strong one. Mm. And it started early from shatter BHO. I'm sure (laughs) even bubble before that, right? Yeah can you like walk us through, like, what do you think with the new solventless <clears throat> wave now, the way we're now we're getting into six star ice hash solventless, mm-hmm. very high end hash. I mean, the hash we're producing today is we're even finding strains that are specifically good for just hash. And it's mm-hmm. like from where it was to where it is now. I mean, do you think we're at the top of the peak right now or you think it's going to keep going?
1: Uh, no, I think it'll, it'll definitely keep going. <clears throat> I thought it was over because you know, we've been in this game, you guys have probably actually been in this game longer than me because I'm, I'm officially in it since like 2010, 11. Um, but yeah, I, I if you think back to, I don't know, 2014 to 16, it was like year over year, new thing. Live Resin came out. Live Resin didn't exist. BHO did, but now Live Resin is here. And then the clear concentrate comes out. fuckers never heard of distillate. What the fuck is this magical thing? And then CBD isolate comes out. And then, oh my God, soil growth solventless invents flower rosin. And then there's hash, and it felt like every year there was a new method of extraction and a new thing to go. It kind of went silent, like 2018, right? Like sauce came after that. And it felt like post-sauce wave We weren't seeing a ton. Around the sauce wave, we were seeing wet batters, like, you know, shout out to West Coast Cure and them, like they fucking killed it at that part of the game. But we didn't see anything for a while. We just saw hash overall become of higher quality. And then last year, actually might have been earlier this year, I went to Spanibus and I walk into La Colada and I see cold cure water hash. Fluffy looks just like cold cure rosin doesn't look like this, you know, with you could do a close up of this later of like all sandy and stuff, looked like rosin, but it dab like hash, it was absolutely pure, my mind was blown where I'm like, oh my God, there could come a day where you can't really sell this on wrecked shelves because by the time you get it at home, it's all dry and fucked up, and like they'll never care for it properly, but if it's cold cure water hash, they might be able to, and seeing that made me feel like it's never going to be over. There's always going to be some type of new breakthrough. But I think the breakthroughs that we're looking at for the future that I hope we're looking at is scale. Nobody can scale six star. People say it and I don't believe it. You know, like anytime I post that I love six star, I'll have a homie reach out and back, like, bro, I got four kilos, man. Like I got a ton of this shit. You have water hash, my friend. You don't have six star. Like it's not going to only use one side of the Q-tip. It's going to be a little fucked up. But I think Back in the day, man, BHO days and the rosin boy days, the first wave of that now and the second wave of that, nobody ever thought rosin would be scalable, ever. They were just like, BHO is going to be it for the public. Rosin is always going to be trap work. We're never going to make enough to sell it on rec shelves. And fuck, man, today rosin is outpacing BHO and rec. I don't know if the numbers reflect that, but I know the consumers I know are exclusively buying it. And I think the future, if there's any innovation to be had, is that, is that these things that are great in small batch are able to become great in large batch. Um, that would be my, it's not really a prediction, it's a hope. And I think that's where innovation is necessary today. We already know that if you control all the variables and you only make a couple hundred grams or something, you can make something that will win any competition it's in. But can you do it with 30 kilos? Can you provide that to the masses and now can you do it so the masses can afford it? That is where I think there needs to be innovation and that's where I hope it is in the future. As far as cold cure water hash and new methods of extraction and new ways to man- manipulate the plant or grow genetics that can make for better hash, that will all continue. But I think the innovation game now is scale. How do you take something that is super great and make it available to the masses, which we're not fully at yet.
2: No, and- it's that's very interesting and you mentioned la colada we actually did an episode with him
1: fuck yeah with yeah, yeah, yeah. jockey or bobby
2: pa- pack odds did he was actually out there and he did it which bobby. one yep bobby bobby bobby's the person Full who
1: made that everything. water hash yeah oh, did you, you guys get to try it i'm, I'm sure, sure i has probably did i he don't was,
0: know i i didn't go through there that time that was actually late 2021 i did that
2: Yeah,
1: we have that interview up. So for people, if you're first smoking, it, the interview's up. Go back and check that out. I'm pitching them to do a Spanibus episode, which I will definitely make a cameo on. But I really want to see you guys there. Like the hash scene is growing.
0: We should should, uh, conceptualize like some type of panel or like some some interesting round table or I'm something. I'm down.
1: I mean I don't even want to be there. I want to platform the <coughs> European hash makers, man. My mm. favorite strain is sour diesel. It hasn't been around for years. I I I've tried hash from a company in Oregon, I forget their name, that actually had pretty good sour diesel rosin. But man, what me and like Aster Club talk about uh When we say sours, this is like a really trap reference. But when we say sours, we're saying triple bagged, right? You can't seal the sours from back in the day with one vacuum seal bag. You got to triple bag it or you're going to stink up any room you're in. I haven't smelled this since 2017. That was the last time I smoked it. Smelled it was as good as it was when I was nineteen years old. People claim to have it now, but I I've they claim seen I've a seen bunch it. Of I've offshoots. seen yeah, I've seen it from AJ, Sour Diesel. It's you know, what, what I call it is the LaCroix version of Sour Diesel. It's just, <laughs> it's got the essence of Diet. it. Diet. yeah, Diet. it's got the essence of it. It has the terps, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have the experience. doesn't it, have the terps. And it doesn't really have the terps. It has like, it has the it has flavor, a hint. a hint of it. LaCroix, the LaCroix yeah. is the best The best way to contextualize it. Yeah. And I'm in, what's it called? I'm in um, Ego Clash, um, right before Spanibus. And I'm meeting with the hash makers there. I'm checking out their shit. I meet some dude from Belgium and he has a sour runs cross and it fucking smells like OG sour. It's crazy. And I start talking to him about it. I'm like, bro, how the fuck do you have this? You're in fucking Belgium. I couldn't point to Belgium on a map. (laughs) Like, where the fuck did you get this? And he talks about the seed company he got it from. And he was like, funny that this strain is vibrating with you. He's like, my grow caught on fire last year. And this was the one plant I was able to save from the fire. And you have these crazy stories like the US here, we're, we're in some ways for this new wave of cannabis, we're the starting point for the culture. Everybody's looking at us, but now they're going individually on their own ends. And doing crazy shit with it. And it reminds me of like the story of hip hop where like it starts in one place and it's a heavy New York thing. And now it's really like New York and West Coast. And then the South comes through and now you have like drill starting in Chicago, in but then and then going to the UK yeah. and then coming back to New York. And what's happened is, is like you have this movement that begins in one place and other places adopt it and make it their own. And it keeps spreading. You have all these different fractals of. Oh, new sub-genres and new things that everybody pulls from, right? New York went stale for a while, now drill music in New York has completely reinvigorated it. The same thing is happening with cannabis. Everything popping here, if you go to the places that are following us, they're doing what we think is cool, but they're approaching it with their own path. I love that. And there isn't enough of a light on it. When I was, in, uh, I was just in Dabidu in Chile, and I'm smelling some of the jars there. And one of the jars, as soon as I smell it, I'm like, this is Sour Diesel. This is Sour <laughs> Diesel. What, it, what is this? Where is this from? And like, I didn't know who did it yet. And I wouldn't know until actually somebody at the end was like, I know whose hash that is because it's so iconic. And it was Columbia Extracts grown, like wa- everything in Columbia happened there. And I'm looking at it and it is Six star. It's six star. It's a sour diesel cross. Um, I forgot what the cross was. But I'm here in a place I've never been to with people that I would never even think knew what sour diesel was. And they're honoring the plant more than we are at home. And I think one thing that we're missing is going to these places and learning what they have become better at than us and bringing that shit back home, that understanding of what we could be doing. We're kind of focused on just what we do now, and it's popping internationally, like people should check to see because I think the day will come where there's going to be some countries out there that are like, "Yeah, bro, they got the terps more than the u s you go you go to Spain and you check out what they have on the shelves, and you're like, "My God, this is better than most of my homie selections." It's not quite there yet today, but it's trending upwards there.
2: that makes sense because for the longest time, Amsterdam was the spot to go. Even above mm-hmm. California, right? It was sure. like, oh, bro, they got the indoor, they got the skunk, they totally, got the yeah, and then it switched from, and they were breeding all of it too, and then it switched from like Dutch genetics to Cali just taking the taking the the rain, but sure, that it's wild, man, to see the evolution of hash and and where you think it's going. That's such a great point, man, because I thought we were at the top when we got flower rosin, when we were doing flower. I'm like, this will be right next to the coffee maker. I'll make my flower oh yeah, bag, totally. cup of coffee, and then start my day, right? Yep. And then it was like, oh, that shit went out the door
1: as fast as it came in, almost. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's there's just, our space, when I when I travel internationally and I look at the US market, it's all Runts, dog. It's all the same shit, it's all Skittles. We've picked a few things that we believe, I love Skittles, and I still like runs. you know? No, it's not yeah, that it I don't is, like them. Runts is everywhere. But there's no diversity, everybody, The consumers determine what everyone will like. The people that came across Skittles, the people that made Sour Diesel, they were not feeding into the market. They were tastemakers setting the tone for what others will like. What the US market is quickly becoming is a consumer-led market where the consumers are deciding what's good. That's not the way it should be. The consumers are reaffirming of what's good, but the tastemakers create the things that they fall in love with. And it feels like in the US, everybody's doing the same shit. Everything is a Z cross. Everything is a papaya cross. We find something good and we milk it. And then when you go to other countries, like there's this company Sugar Seeds in Argentina and they had terps I hadn't tried before, bro. Apparently some of them are land race that are local to South America that came over when people migrated during the ice age and shit or whatever. And you tried and you're like, I have never tried something like this before. Is it the terpiest, most mouthwatering thing I've ever tried? No, like I would say that like Skittles or uh, papaya, like there are things that would be clearly more flavorful, but it's so unique. And if we start exploring it and seeing what's special about it, it could become its own new thing. But we're not doing that because we're letting everybody determine you on Z, who's gonna be the person that makes the next Z? And it's not as, and I'm not saying because it's a Z cross or the next runs. Yeah, It's going to be the person that didn't listen to what anyone said. They were serving their own palate. And their palate is what the market needs to determine what is best. And so I'm pushing growers and hash makers to please travel internationally so you could at least see that our palate here is becoming pretty limited. We have a few flavors that are really popping and everything else is dying around it. And I don't want to be in a market where none of us want to smoke the same weed for the rest of our lives. I love sour diesel, but if you told me I could only smoke one strain for the rest of my life, I know I'm only going to get a couple of years until I'm like, man, this relationship is not special anymore. Um, so I I hope our growers and our hash makers travel the world and see there are trends popping up that you will benefit from if you can get ahead of them. Um, it just doesn't feel like where we're at today. What do you feel about traveling down to Argentina and like Chile and you're talking Abadu. That's some Abadu. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. What is it like
0: um, traveling down there?
1: So I I didn't go to Argentina yet. Um, oh, you just tried there. Uh, they were there, their, right? Yeah. The people from Argentina gotcha. were were all in the Chile Dabidou. Um, and Chile was incredible, man. I mean, like they they have great hash. Incredible. Something about Chile that's remarkable is, I would say, ninety nine. of the hash and flour you see there is single source. Everything, why? Because there's no market to go and buy flour from. Everybody's doing it themselves. There's a company out there that's selling rosin presses to like most people there. When I talked to, I became really good buddies with a guy who was like kind of taking us around town, this local that we just kind of hired us just to escort us and take us to the show and he's in the game, let us know what's up. And I'm talking to him, I'm like, how do you consume, bro? What do you do? And he was like, oh, well, I grow. And then I go to the guy who makes the rosin presses and we wash it. And then I press it out at home. I just make sure that it lasts me until my next crop. My fucking mind is blown. If you talk to most people there, that's what they're going to say. They're doing it themselves. And so you have this market that is truly independent and has wow. an incredible understanding of cannabis. So, the consumer there is probably the most informed consumer I've ever met because every consumer is a maker. And you don't see that anywhere else. You do not see that in Spain, right? Spain, it is not all single source. There's hash makers there, they're washing other people's stuff. Most consumers there are just consumers. They're buying, they're not growing, they're not washing. But then you go to Chile and you're like, you guys took this completely under your own control. Also, Chile is. The longest, if you Google cannabis in Chile, you'll see it. It's like the longest relationship a country has had with cannabis and the most accepted. So like you can't quite wow. smoke on the street, but I believe it's legal to grow and it's legal to consume, just not in public. It might be legal to sell. Might be. Please check the laws. Interesting. Interesting.
2: Like- and it's such yeah. a vast, uh, large country that so that like the northern part compared to the southern part, the conditions would be so different totally. to cultivate in. That's an interesting country because it's almost like saying growing in Canada and then down in Florida. Like the, you know what I'm saying? Like it's very different. How it's, large it's that all is. of
1: the equator. Interesting. And, it's, and just man, the being around a community that is both maker and consumer, mind blowing. Like it's a different level of passion, right? Like it's, it's being constantly around peers. I'm not a grower. I'm not a hash maker. I know a little bit about hash making. I know a little bit less about growing, but I love meeting with growers and hash makers because I feel at home. I think like we can exchange ideas. All of us get smarter when we leave a room. I felt that with every single interaction I had in Chile, even to the point where like somebody offers me flower rosin and I'm like, I don't smoke it. I'm not doing it. And then eventually somebody's like, "Shut up, stupid!" You're in a different country. Try their shit, uh, Chelsea. And I try, <laughs> I tried, and I'm like, "This is that's good like food. This Same is thing. good. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is the best flour rosin I have ever tried." Would I prefer hash rosin? Yeah, I probably prefer if you wash that and turned it into hash rosin. But my God, is it good! And the next day they won first place flour rosin for uh, Dabadoo. So like, you're talking to people that are untethered from our biases, from our constructs. They're just inspired by what we do, but they could fucking take it anywhere. Like they're they're true creative. So big, big place in my heart for Chile. I hope they see this um, because they, they, they will. left a massive impression they on me. They will. This is this right
0: here. Not, this, at, yeah. not this, this. That, you know, this is global. Yeah. global,
1: Yeah, global. Haven't oh, been to sure. one place yet where they're like, what? I am staring you know. at that joint, though. Like, goddamn, that is some that. stack. No, I got, I got to pause. Just, yeah, I'll yeah, hit yeah. it at the end of this. Just the ash on that is about. This is my man Doja Man. I mean, that oh, shout out to that boy. <laughs> Big shout out Doja. Big that shout is well grown, man. Like that is that is stacking well. It looks clean. I'm just looking from the side, like I would smoke Fear the shit watch. out of that. They
2: don't call him Pack Odds for nothing. He knows what's smoking Ooh. man. He's the tastemaker.
0: Wow, know. come on, that's what you want to see on your smoke i could put this in the ashtray go do stuff come back five minutes later do you have any
2: it's opinion on smoking. the white ashes thing
0: do you feel like it
2: makes a difference do you care if your
1: joint burns pitch black <laughs> did you just talk to john Capetta about this yeah. also? <laughs> a little bit we john, like to get everyone's opinion you know on <laughs> john john um john is outspoken about this i believe that white ash is a fantastic indicator mm-hmm. to a point right um, john is the one who put me onto this of listen you know, white ash is really just an excess of calcium and something else he said. Probably potassium or something, probably is what he said. Something like that. Yeah. And he was like, that's how cigarette companies get white ash. And, you know, growers can do that to get white ash. We don't know any growers doing that to get white ash. As far as I know, not yet. In the future, probably. Once they know there's a cheat code to getting this, but in my experience- um, and I only knew of one of these up until this point. And John Capetta put me onto the other one. White ash is typically a clear indicator of something that's properly flushed, but not all things can flush on that level, from what I understand. Not everything can get to that point. So, like, does it mean something that isn't that is bad? No. But does it mean that something that is that is good? Probably. That's my take on it. And John told me that what's more important is ash structure. And I've thought of that a ton. And I've never contextualized it. There's, um, I tried a few years ago, this is in the pandemic, Red Pop from Exotic Genetics. Homie of mine, I was trying the pheno before he even dropped the seed pack. And I smoked this, awful smoke, bro. This was a hash strain, stringy, like something that you know would wash incredibly well. I'm angry that to this day, I am not seeing Red Pop smoking. But when I smoked it, and his weed is some of the best weed ever. It was just this one strain that was clearly a strain thing. It was a leafy, mm-hmm. hash strain. But when I smoke it, loose ash, kind of flying apart everywhere, really easy to come off. And there's other strains that do that. Starburst OG, a strain I love in hash. Same example, I fucking hate it in flour, man. Yeah, like, too. Tastes awful, Trash the ash is terrible. So I think that something that John pointed out that is true is, yes, white ash is important, But, like, that's not fully white. That's, you know, a solid gray, mostly white. Yeah. But I would consider that easily smokable. That to me is passing the test of not being dark. And dark to me is unacceptable. But the ash structure on that is good. And if you have something that is compacted ash, it's not loose and falling apart. It stays in place as you smoke on it. He was the one who was like, that's actually a more important indicator. And as soon as I thought about it, I'm like, You're fucking right. Every strain that I smoke, flower form, and it's just coming apart. It doesn't taste good. Like the terps could taste good, but the plant burning don't taste right. By the time you get to the end, it's fucking disgusting. You never want to put it down, walk away, come back and light it up. It's kicked. Um, So I think white ash is good, but not always it. It can, Mm -hmm. If you're chasing it, you might miss some really great products. Um, even though white ash, I don't think to today is just people using calcium and phosphorus to get that, that result. But ash structure is important. You want to make sure your shit looks like that. You want to make sure that if you give it a very light tap, it might not fall off. Um, that to me, yeah,
2: that to me is. People want absolutes. So they want to say, well, that must mean it's good or it's bad. No, it's like, it's like no, a it's list an indicator. Of, yeah, it's, like an said, it's an indicator. It's like five, six things. Does it taste like it smells, you know, when you hit it? Does yeah. it, does it burn right? Does it, is it
0: staying lit? Is it, is it catching? It's interesting though, with hash, how many strains that just don't come out in flour that mm. are like, Ooh, what is this? Incredible in hash I mean, you never see it exist in flour totally. at all. Totally. Especially in this market. Yeah. Honey, you know, maybe a few years ago you would, but mm-hmm. in this market you're not seeing it. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing so many different variations with hash. And yeah, with flour, I'm smoking Skittles. If there's some, you know, good runs. Like it's sure. like sure. very repetitive in the sure sense of banger. like there's some, you know, there's some bangers. I'm not trying to discredit anybody, obviously, mm. but I feel like there's way more variations in hash and for obvious reasons.
1: Good flour is hard to get. My my homie at Wooksauce Winery brought up a fantastic point, which I never thought of. And that was humans have only engaged with cannabis with flour for a very small part of our experience with this plant. I mean, we're going back millennia with cannabis, Mm. but... What, for the past fucking 100 years, 150 years, we've been smoking flour? Before that, it's been exclusively hash. It's been people separating the trichomes from the plant so you can actually get high. When this shit was coming in at 3 4% THC, how much fucking weed do you need to smoke to get high? Historically, until we started breeding for strength, it has been hash. And I think fantastic flour, it's hard to do. Like you can take really ugly, no bag appeal flour, and some of the best hash zero bag appeal. Skittles is also another one of those strains, not a real bag appeal strain, but it smokes incredibly well, and the terps are crazy. It's tough to make great flour, and it's also why I love it so much, man. When you find that like primo, primo stuff that smokes super well, it hits great. The terps are slapping. Um, Yeah, it's just it's awesome, but rare. Yeah. So. Let's get into some of these flavors. Yeah. What do you, I mean, I, I think mean, I, it's only right you, you fire one of those off. Yeah. I think I got to do the trichodelics. This is like my most saved hash. I dread the day that I won't have any more of this left. And this is his Starburst OG water hash. He calls it ice oil. I call it six star. It's fucking incredible. Um, I'm actually going to, I think I'm going to start with the gold claw. Can you tell Damn. us about that piece a little bit on camera? Because this thing is just exceptional. This is like a, a sultan would have this. I mean, it's you know, <laughs> <also> a, <laughs> a sultan of ash, uh, bro. I could probably say that's the first time I heard the word, the word sultan in probably a decade at the very <laughs> least. Um, this was made by Ryan Fitt. Um, He tried to make this for me, honestly, before the release of the proxy. And it cracked. Like, he couldn't get it done Anytime, like he would try. Before it even got to plating, he wasn't able to do it. And then finally, like he was doing in this white meerschaum pipe style and the white he was using would just crack. Like he could not get it done using that white. And so he was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do a different color and we'll plate it. And I love the idea of it. And he was like, do you want it to be in nickel or gold? And I was like, fuck it. Let's ball out. You know, like I, I want pieces that people are going to look at. And become curious about this space and I think I love the elbow piece it speaks to so many people but when I think about a piece that like a New Yorker or a fashion person or somebody outside of the space would look at and without any stigma be like what the fuck is that this gold piece is that to me never mind that it just like looks beautiful the detail in it all the I don't even know how he made it to this level but crazy not only is it beautiful it's one of my best smoking accessories so like you you'll see i just kind of get the chief on it
2: it's like it's so cool that you took something you love hash and smoking and you turned it into the business that now you're collaborating with like all the lead guys like with this right like all your rigs are based around your invention like it's so fucking dope it's
1: a trip man i didn't really even have glass like that cuz i would break so much glass when i was younger until our devices, and then it was like, well, me personally, how could I not get it? You know, like they're these are meaningful moments. Elbow being somebody I've idolized forever that now I have a piece with Ryan. Fit same story. It's gotten me more into the art because it affects me on a personal level. So some trichedelics man, six Starburst star.
0: OG, six. six Star
2: Boys, an ice wax. That's a prize for a guy. Damn, So out have-
0: like a champion. Option cool. of
2: rosin or ice wax, okay. very different.
0: Woo. Yeah, look
2: at
1: that thing, crank out <laughs> of the I see you like a red, a red one. That's your your speed. Is, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> I hit my rosin and my six star on red. Typically, if it's not six star, I'll drop it down to green because it's just a little bit gentler with it. But I want a chief man. That's like there is something that Puffco is chasing that to me is the intersection where the best experience can be found. And it's the most amount of vapor you can get with the most amount of flavor. Because at a certain point it starts to trade off. If you go for a ton of flavor, you're doing that at the cost of vapor. We know that with dabs, right? If you take a low temp terpy dab, it's a low temp terpy dab. You go high temp, you're getting tons of vapor, but you scorch the terps. For me, it's how can we raise the amount of vapor you can get without compromising flavor? And so I go in hotter than most people would because that's my chase. I don't just want all the flavor. I want to get choked out by the dab. Like I really want to feel it. So yeah, I'm usually (coughs) spitting vapor on these (coughs) and I'm smoking my six star in it. What's
2: your, what's your go-to temperature on the, do you have a go-to or do you usually go with the red setting as well on the peak when you're peaking it? Do you, you have a specific temp you try to hit or do you?
1: Usually on red yeah. on the peak, which is 530, and red or white on the proxy, depending on what I'm chasing. Like okay. if I have I usually stick to just one temperature. Um, man, this is like the beauty of the six star is like one q-tip, that's it. There's there's no other water hash that is doing this level. Um for me. Anyways, now I got too high, and forgot what the question was. No, that's- This is why I waited till halfway through the program. We wanna get you high, man. Yeah, Yeah, I wanna be high. I also wanna be able to give meaningful (laughs) answers, so. (laughs) Tell us uh, us about the 3D Chambers. So, the 3D Chamber was actually originally designed for the Proxy. Proxy was in development for like two years, maybe even a little bit more. Um, And we designed it for this, and as we're designing it for this, we're like, this should also be in the peak. Like We can't have this new way of vaporizing oil in one device and have our flagship become outdated. And this was so delayed that we ended up coming out the 3D chamber first. What the 3D chamber does that is different than anything that's come before it is instead of it heating from the bottom, it heats from the sides, from the walls. So this is felt most when you're using water hash. When you're using water hash, we're talking about trichome heads, the outside is fats and lipids and the, the, the trichome waxes that hold everything together. On the inside is all the stuff you want. Typically people rosin that out so you could just get to the good stuff. When you're vaporizing water hash, you will typically, if you don't know what you're doing, and even if you do sometimes, you're gonna get a flavor of burnt corn. We've all been there. It's like supposed to be really terpy and instead it tastes awful because we've burnt up those trichome waxes. When you're vaporizing in a 3D chamber, While it's heating up, those trichome waxes melt. They go to the bottom. Then as soon as you inhale, all the oil spins around your chamber going exactly where we're heating. So what you're having happen is the degradation is barely happening in the chamber to the oil. The stuff that falls to the bottom is not being vaporized. And the only thing that is being vaporized is what moves when you inhale. So it's heat Only where the stuff you want to vaporize is. That's what makes this like truly revolutionary to me. And I know other people out there in the space will like, you know, yeah, we have the fucking 380 chamber and it heats from the bottom too and does this. They're just, those are echoes of the innovation. They don't realize that we're not trying to heat from everywhere. We're trying to heat specifically where it matters. And when we got to this, we realized that it gave the Peak Pro a ton of improvements. So immediately... It went from 25 dabs per charge to once you stick a 3D chamber in there, 40 dabs per charge. So like it went up whatever that is, 30% or 40% in battery life. And then heat up time. It was previously because it had to heat from the bottom and let that go through the whole thing would take 25 seconds or so I think to heat up, still a reasonable amount of time. Now it's down to like 15. So it's instantly getting it hot. Um, And I forget, there's probably another advantage that it has. But it just treats your oil so well. Um, You can smoke water hash in it and get a rosin-like experience, which to me is revolutionary for this most elite form of concentrate. And more battery life and quicker heat up times. It's something that we worked on for a super long time and we've loved the results. Like it's made me fall more in love with our products than I ever have been. And it's especially felt in the proxy where you get this tiny ass device and in this tiny little device, I can get 15 dabs where I'm chiefing vapor like you just saw. Um, It it really seems to help us nail the sweet spot of what we believe the experience should be. So that's the 3D chamber. Crazy.
0: That's a short period of time. What what was the period of time?
1: From from developing it,
0: man, I,
1: from the time
0: the, the old model to
1: that. So from, from dropping the Peak Pro, when did we drop the Peak Pro? I think that was October of 2020, one year later. So we were already working on the 3D chamber as the Peak Pro was coming out, but it was purely in development. You know, like it's not something we can count on. We don't know if it's going to work. And then a year later, we were really hoping to drop the proxy and the 3D chamber at PuffCon 2021 but we couldn't get the proxy done in time, so it was just the 3D, and I guess it took probably like a year and change um, for the whole 3D to be built, maybe a year and a half, and then probably only like six months to port it over to the Peak Pro, especially because it's just the chamber. It's also firmware too, right? So it's not like we're just changing the chamber, it's we're reprogramming it. So if you're somebody that has a Peak Pro today, and you buy a 3D chamber, and you've never updated your firmware, if you plug in your 3D chamber, it won't work. You have to update your device, because we've completely changed how the device heats the chamber, um, which is the beauty of having an app and something that can evolve as you use it. And that's our philosophy for the Peak Pro. We don't wanna make a new one every year. We wanna make something that you can update the firmware and get the latest way to heat that we think is great, and if we come up with an idea for a chamber, you just gotta buy the chamber and you have a whole new device. So when we dropped the peak, when we drop the 3D chamber, for me, in my mind, like this might as well be the Peak Pro 2 because of all of the upgrades that it's giving you. And that's, yeah, it's kind of the story of the 3D chamber.
2: Where do you draw a lot of your inspiration from, from like the evolution of some of these products? Because it's like, when you go back to your engineer and you're like, this is what I'm thinking, or we need to solve this problem. Is it just you using your own product or is it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's usually, uh, we have an incredible team. So like sometimes they'll come to me with improvements they believe they can make. But I believe the story of the 3D Chamber was actually a buddy of mine, who now works with us and is sitting in the room, um, recommended that we use a slurper, that I use a slurper. And he was like, listen, dude, this thing is popping. This was only in 2020 that they probably said this. Um, And the slurper has been around since 2017. So it wasn't new, but it really, it's crazy it's been out that long. It was really being adopted at that point. They were hyped, $1,000 setups. You couldn't even get one if you wanted to. And he's like, you got to try this, man. Like This is a different level. It's like a bong hit for Hash. And we started using it and playing with it. And we're like, yeah, this can get you something else. So, once we see that, we try to understand it. Why is this giving an effect that other things don't? We'll start usually measuring how it heats. We have so many devices internally that we use for testing. We have a pop bot that measures vapor, vapor density, about how you pull, how much resistance there is. Um, we have like, I forget how they study it, but things to study heat. So, we'll torch something up and be like, how is this heating? How is heat spreading through it? What's happening when you're inhaling? Where does it go? And I know that. Some of this is giving out the secret sauce, but it's not because the means of getting this data is really challenging to get. And then we'll start understanding what is out there that is working better and what does it have that ours doesn't? And it's never like, like this doesn't look like a slurper in any way, but we're looking at the thermal properties and what is happening there and seeing if we can adjust what we do to reflecting that type of experience. And that's how it works. And we continue to do that. You know, that's one of the places that we draw inspiration from. And all of it is tied to we want to take the best experiences in the space and make them consistent and reliable and easy to access. So when a homie comes through and he's like, Slurper is the best experience in the space, bet. Let's see if we can get something that can come close to it consistently, reliably, with no information needed to start using this and getting what you need from it. Um, and other times it'll just be like, the story of the travel glass um i don't know that i have one sitting right here but the travel glass is something that we made that you can put water in and you can lock the mouthpiece and if you turn it upside down or throw it in your bag no water will get out and then as soon as you unlock it you can inhale through it just like you would any of these that's what i have at my house i yeah. use this this is my personal piece this so, same type of setup right here but so, the rainbow one so this is it right and like turn the water upside down. No water comes out, put it up. Nothing is happening. And I can use it as soon as I want to. I can lock it in. Where this idea came from is I would have my peak in my bag at all times before this existed, just the stock piece. And I'm a savage. So I'll just throw it in there with water. And if it spills, it spills. I'll get another one, whatever. And one day I go to see our chief technology officer, Avi, and I'm like, Man, it sure would be nice if there was a way to lock in that water, but I'm like, I know it's not possible because it'll just leak through into the chamber anyways, but it would be nice to have, and he comes back like 24 hours later like, I got it, I got it, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, we can lock the water in there. Fully his idea, I didn't like, listen man, what was my work? Coming in being like, how nice would it be if water wouldn't leak? Ideas are worthless, execution is everything. And he comes through and he's like, I have this idea, which is now patented, this idea for the travel glass. Um, And that's how it came to exist. And that was just a need. Here I am walking around with this thing in my bag. It's spilling, it's breaking, it's not working. I want something that can help keep water in there anytime I need it and not leak when I don't. And so these are all the places that we draw inspiration from, but there's one common thread through all of them. What will better our experience? Just like I said, when it comes to people that are making genetics and growing flour and making hash, Puffco isn't here. Yes, we listen to our consumers when they say they want a feature, they want us to include a perspective in what we do. We're open to it, but we're here to make our own experience better, whatever the fuck that means. And we assume that if we make our own experience better, there will be people that agree with that new level of experience. And that's why I kind of hold my hash maker and grower and other homies of like, you guys are the tastemakers. Don't let people tell you what to make. Listen to them. Take in that feedback. Know, what you are be- know the standards you're being held accountable to. But at a certain point, you are the tastemaker and you have to set the tone of what you think will level up your experience because that's what got you here. You know, it wasn't by just doing what people asked. It was doing by what you thought was different and great and made your experience better. So that's that's how we do everything, you know, and sometimes we're like, well, someone is saying that this nail is a great experience, cool. What can we learn? Sometimes we're like, man, this kind of sucks about our own experience. Cool. What can we learn? Or nothing like this is happening in the space and we want to see if we build it, would it be good and would it add value? And then boom, we do that. And so it's all to serve ourselves, which again is really easy to do when you don't have shareholders. When you don't have to Prove to other people why you want something to exist. You just chase it. Keep your fingers crossed. It works out.
0: <laughs> Damn.
2: Oh, man. I'm going to keep saying, I love that, man. That's uh, this whole time because the evolution of this product has changed so much. Have you been able to deal with the same manufacturer, or you had to been able to chase man? Because that's a whole other. I don't know if you want to get into that, but that's a whole no, other can, side of yeah, business. Yeah, I can.
1: I can talk about how hard some is of that? it. I mean, we have a team that it's extremely hard, yeah. and we have a massive team that deals with it. I believe operations, which is a very big umbrella name for a department, because it includes logistics, it includes supply chain, it includes working with uh, manufacturers. It's probably the largest department in the company, maybe only second to customer service, which has to be massive in nature. And it's tough, but you know we're not operating in that world of like we're reaching out to one manufacturer and being like, "What can you make for us?" like where the the peaks have been made I'm actually I think they're in a couple of manufacturers now, but the one that we started in makes apple pencils. they make Xbox controllers they're doing like really big business. And we go to them and we're also held to that standard. Now now you can't enter as 2014 Roger. It's like, all right, I got this idea and I'm gonna <laughs> they have documentation, they have processes, like you have to be at their level to work with them. And we're talking about top four manufacturers of electronics in the world when we're we're wow. like the factories that we're talking to. Um so it's a little bit different than when I started, which is just finding small players in the space that have the bandwidth and need the growth to talk to somebody as small as me so it's a completely different game it's challenging there are a lot of moving pieces it slows down how much you can do which is why like in 2018 or 2019 we had fucking four or five limiteds in a year in 2022 we have one in 2021 we had two it becomes way harder to do crazy shit and that's the journey we're on now like okay we're We're building process, we're building discipline to make sure we can work with the biggest players so we can meet market demands. And now we have to find a way to be creative and do more through that. Massively, massively challenging. I think most people watching this that want to create, that want to work with factories. It's not the same. It's not the same as reaching out and getting Q-tips made or reaching out and getting a silicone piece made um, to do something as complicated as this, which is a merger of glass, silicone, metal, ceramic firmware. Electronics. Yeah. It's, it's a, a massive, massive uh, investment from these teams. And like, I'll be real with you. As soon as like any of these manufacturers see the glass, they're like, I don't know if I want to do this. Because they don't have to do that with any other big electronics manufacturer. They're not incorporating this. And this is, I feel like the whole thing would have been way fucking easier if I wasn't obsessed with glass art. Like the whole fucking journey. We could have made more products, we could have made them cheaper. It would have been a lot easier, but I also think it wouldn't have hit as hard. Um so yeah that's that's manufacturing in a nutshell i'm hoping if my operations team is watching they are not cringing it's a massively impossible job and they do things that i don't think any other team in the space could do
2: no oh, huge shout out to all you guys out there putting in the work daily to make sure that we have the dopest smoking advice available because that's that's such an essential team um In that process with the manufacturing, is there a piece of advice that you'd say? Because obviously all these guys in the space have an idea that doesn't even have to be smoking. It's for a growing device. It's for a pair of, you know, it's a hundred different things. Is there one piece of advice you'd pass on to someone that's trying to chase like, man, I just want to get this made and I have this idea. Um, (laughs) Yeah, me actually. Yeah. He's no, he's asking just, for a friend, but no, he's yeah, asking, asking for, for nah, a friend. It's but no, okay. this is a there's, challenge that you come up against as a is a creative, right? Yeah. It's like there's a barrier between getting something made overseas and just going to a new, you know, like, oh, I know a guy in town who
1: can make me this thing. Completely different. Yeah, it's you know, there's a couple things to this. One, product development is impossible. It seems easy for a lot of people because some people can like Call and order merch, <laughs> right? Making a t-shirt is easy. Developing new ideas and getting them to exist is really hard. Everybody, everybody has ideas. When the peak first came out, man, every motherfucker on me would be like, I had that idea back in the day, but I guess you got there first. And it's like- You shoulda, um, you know- uh. <laughs> And in my mind, it's like it's like, sure did, right? Because yeah, the idea yeah. wasn't the hard part. Mm. The execution is the hard part. And product development itself, it's so hard to take things from an idea to bring them into reality successfully. And you have to have respect for that journey that it might never work out, right? Like you might chase something that will never come to be, but there's a different set of advice that I have that is more broad. And it's when you can't change the world, change yourself. You are the variable, right? If you're beating up the fucking block, trying to get something done, and it ain't working for you, maybe you need to change, not the block you're trying to beat up. And I think for a lot of people, it's applicable to everything. But when you're in product development and you're chasing it, why can't this get done? Why can't this get done? Why it's so hard? Because you might not have the perspective that it takes to get this through to the next stage. And you have to work on yourself to be able to effectively enact the change you wanna see. And I think most people rule that out. They try to bend the world to their will. They don't try to bend their will to change the world. And I think if more people did that, they would have a better relationship with resistance. It doesn't mean it's going to be easier. It just means you'll be better prepared to handle it.
2: Oh man, that's, that's a parallel to plants as well. A lot of people nowadays will be like, no, the, the plants on my schedule, we cut down at 60 days. We cut down it. we do what, this thing does what we want it to do versus caring for something and giving your all and making sure that when this thing's ready, I'll be ready, not the
1: other way around. I I really like that. It's, you know, and that to me is what a great leader is. A great leader is somebody who changes themselves to change their environment. And the people that don't do that, we know it, man. When somebody's out there being like, nah, man, I'm the boss. This is great because of me. You know, their days are limited. I had... I got to be very careful about this company. There's a massive company not in our space. They're like, they're in fucking Whole Foods and probably every grocery store you walk into. I'm a fan of this company. They started off really small, blew up really big. And for some reason, like we we buddied up. It's very weird, completely outside of our space. And somebody introed me and was like, Yeah, hey, you want to talk to the CEO? And I'm like, yeah, I want to talk to a fucking CEO of a what seems like a multi-billion dollar company. They're like number three in their category in uh, the supermarkets. They're in. like number one is Coca-Cola and number two is Pepsi. Mm. Like that fucking big. And I sit down with this dude and I'm talking to him just because like, my God, he's done it. Like he's built out this massive business and I'm always been looking for a mentor. This is before I got the executive coach. And I talk to him and he, you know, he's like, yeah, man, it's me. It's me. I'm doing it all. I'm testing this. I'm pushing these ideas. It's me and I was so taken aback. It's like, oh man, I'm like, I'm jealous because it's not me, bro. Like, it's my team. Like, they're what's great. I'm contributing to the team and I'm helping steer it, but I certainly don't feel like I am what is responsible for all of this. We are responsible for all of it. And it, it fucked me up and I recently found out he is no longer CEO of his own company. And they brought in like, you know, somebody who's, you know, on the board of directors or some shit to leave the company now. It's so like you see it, man. When somebody, one, it's insecurity, right? Let's just call it what it is. If you're going to take responsibility for all the hard work around you that a lot of people put in and point it towards yourself, you're a really insecure person. You don't need to do that. And confident people will usually absolve themselves of any responsibility and pass it around. But I have never seen any person with that mindset work out, and for those that aren't likely to have that mindset because they're not that insecure, then you're ready to hear. You just gotta change yourself, man. 2013 Roger could not be open to the opportunities 2022 2022 Roger is wouldn't even enter his world couldn't even get the opportunities of 2016 roger that found Avi, the chief technology officer and other people that helped really build out the company and you have to constantly be on that journey and ask yourself what version of you is the person who is living in the reality of success you want to be in and become that motherfucker because it ain't you today or you would have had it so i don't know that's my philosophy
2: Whoa! Damn! Man. Yeah, bro. If you ain't didn't take that deep into heart, rewind that and listen back real quick because that that hits hard. That's that's a lifelong advice that should it's be shared. Real rap, yeah. Raw advice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. To it's just someone, someone that. How it many people do you think that this device touches? Do you guys have
1: like a, a estimation of like um a million
2: <sighs> people, three million people? We, uh,
1: we we know how many we sold. Yeah. Um You don't have to get into that, but it's a little bit tough, man, because we. Anytime we say anything like I'm talking about Chile on this podcast, I already know there are other companies in the space that are like Chile, send your teams there. I talk about Spain. Like I, anything we do, we have people that are kind of trying to capture the magic of this space, um, go through there and, I think if people knew how well we do, it would attract even more of that. And it's not that I'm afraid. I I do think that in general competition is healthy, but competition is healthy when you have a spectrum of ideas, not when you have people fighting all over the same ideas. And I I I it's tough for me to talk about how good things are because it attracts more of that. And we have a story to tell, a story that isn't being said enough that hash is our path forward to the best experience in the space. And I know that like, you can disagree. You guys, you guys are, are weed smokers, but I hope if I put enough good hash in front of you and an easy path to that experience that you're going to be like, you know what, man, I kind of prefer to dab during the day. It just keeps me grooving and it will, become obvious to you what we believe the future is. And when we let other people tell that story to us, the story is Puffco sucks. You should use our thing instead. When we tell the story, it's hash is beautiful and we want to show you why. So I try to avoid riling up the competition that isn't here to add new ideas, that isn't here to be like, that's how they do it. This is how we do it. And here's why our path is the best path to hash. Um, Because I want to be able to tell our story. So. We do well, we've reached many users, probably many more than I ever thought we would. Um, and way more than I think we would assume the scene is.
2: You ever surprised about a certain country that's
1: like, God dang, they're smoking, they're, they love Puffco's. Uh, I, I hate, I'll say it cause I've already said it. So mm-hmm. I know like the bad actors are watching um, Chile bro. Everyone had a fucking peak. I'm talking, forget about other companies that are doing something similar. Forget about other companies that are other vaporizer companies that don't violate any of our intellectual property. I'm saying I would see nine Puffco products and one torch and rig setup if I show up at a sesh. I couldn't believe it. And I'm not saying this like, oh yeah, they have the Guardian. They have they have the Indiglo. They have the Opal. They have... The Lucid, that shit came out January 2019. They have been doing it. 2019, I met somebody from Chile, this hash maker, that had a a peak top that was like a thousand bucks or something. And she had that in 2019 in Chile. And I just thought that this is like, oh, you're at, you're at um, ego clash. So obviously being an ego clash, you're going to know and be ahead of the curve. No, that's everybody there. So Chile was the most shocking country when it came to our community and how well penetrated they are in the space. And then when it comes to hash, it was Spain. I was in Spain in 20. Uh, 18, I believe, and 2019, and you go, then you're like, yeah, that's all right, man. Like the fire here is the trap work from back home. It's like better than the trap work in New York that you'll see. They're definitely getting better stuff, um, but it's just California stuff. And then I came back. I think it was at the beginning of this year, and I'm like, what the fuck did y'all do during the pandemic? You have all the flavors now. I'm preferring to buy the Spain stuff than the trap stuff from California. And it 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 shocked me because their hash and flower scene was so well developed, best Z in the world. The best Skittles in the world. I haven't tried yours yet. Uh, so like, I don't wanna take shots, but like yeah. the cultivars yeah. they have are shocking. You're like, you'll try something mm. there and you'll be like, whoa, I haven't, I've been smoking this for four years, but it hasn't hit like this since 2018. And you wouldn't have anything that would remind you of that because here it all kind of is on the same path. And then you go there and you're like, mind blown. How are these Z Terps? I'm falling in love with Z again. Now it's all I want to smoke. So Chile for community and um, Barcelona specifically for cannabis.
2: You, did shocker. you partake in Masters of Rosin at HQ Barcelona when you were out there?
1: Um, I, I think we did it one year and I yeah. think there were some communication errors the next year. Um, so I haven't. Okay. Uh, I, I did it one year and the selection wasn't very good. Okay. Like like it was like 100 entries and like 95 of them were, I would say something that wasn't resonating with me. I would bet anything that 50% plus are fire these days. It was crazy this last year. Yeah. yeah. I I wasn't at the last one, but I would just based on what I saw in the clubs, Mm -hmm. it must be crazy. It's just a reflection of like, that has no reflection on masters of Rosin. It's a reflection of what the makers were doing in the space, but they have spent the past few years catching the fuck up. And I wish there was like a real international hash competition. I don't think the U S would win. Like, I think, I think the U S would be in the top three, but I think that number one spot, there's going to be somebody in another country developing a cultivar that we either haven't tasted to that level in years or something that we have never tried. And they're going to be like mind blown 10 out of 10 on exotic points. Like it's, it's something I hope, hope happens. Probably definitely can't be Puffco because- This is something for us to organize, but I hope someone out there finds something where Latin America, United States, and Europe can really have this show off because we have become really good at a limited spectrum of things and they've just been experimenting with everything. Not tethered to consumer demands because they are the the consumers they serve. It's a trip. Like I can't wait to be out there with y'all. I'm gonna be showing you everything I think is crazy. I can't wait to, I mean, it,
2: that's, that's honestly a, uh, not a challenge, but that's on our breeders. Our breeders in the space need to start going outside of runts times, lemon cherry gelato times, you know, because what you're saying is d- genetic diversity and yeah. all these people are, are into like, oh, I like the white widows or I like the sour diesels, or I like the, the gushers, or I, there's so many variations they're picking versus all of us. It seems like when you go on a lot of breeders' pages recently in the US, a lot of the stuff is just whatever's hyped right now. So you can go to 10 different breeders and buy out crosses of the same hype strain every year. Yeah. And that it makes it tough for growers because that's all that's available. Unless you hunt down somebody that's not a bigger seed company because hype builds, you know, a larger sure. and try to figure out, okay, let's try to pop these seeds. But it is like that because it's like all
1: the new stuff you see coming online is very similar to the stuff we've had i mean leave the u.s right because you're going to meet people that have strains you've never seen mm-hmm. you're meant, where did you get this and they're going to name some seed company that's local in mm-hmm. their country or someplace that nobody in the u.s would think to go to and you'll get those flavor packs yeah i also don't want to take away from it's really hard to exist in the cannabis business in the u.s right now so i understand that like we're serving the consumer market because we don't have the freedom or the padded wallets to be able to make risky decisions. You got to do what's going to work. I don't want to take that away from people. I know it's tough. And I also know that the stars of the future are the ones who took those risks and tried new things while others didn't. And they were just serving existing trends. So leave, go to Spanibus, see if you can get into ego clash. When Dabadoo is happening in Latin America, go there, meet these people, talk to them. And you're going to see stuff that's going to give you an edge over a lot of people here locally that's, you know, I'm not a grower too. So like, I don't want to, I don't want to judge. I'm, t- I'm coming out of consumer <laughs> angle of like, as a consumer, mm-hmm. I love what I'm seeing in these places. And as a consumer, I'm asking breeders mm-hmm. to take more risks. And I fully understand if they're like, dog, I'm trying to fucking pay my rent and keep my kid in school. I totally get it. I just, I'm, I'm asking for my dream scenario with all due respect to the people trying to survive in the game right now. Well,
2: it's like acting, right? They say uh, do one for them and then do one for you.
1: Totally. Yeah. It's a little like that. It's good advice.
2: Do one for them and then do something for you. You know, that's going to get you ahead of the game versus like, you know, another version of what people all want, but is already around. It's it's
1: better than doing it all for them, but it's not as good as doing it all for you. So like, (laughs) if you you can, please do that. That's a great advice. One for them, one for you. Shit, man. with
2: roger i could literally sit here and we could talk all day and smoke hash honestly man it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on i'm i'm
1: blown away by you as a creative and i'm blown away by your creations thank you thank you guys i know you both are likewise thank you guys for being a platform for creatives in our space to tell their story to inspire others i mean a lot of these conversations that are happening at this table are really happening in the background amongst friends and most people don't get to see it. So thank you for creating interest in the stories of the space. It hasn't really happened. And I'm glad to see that this idea chose you guys as leaders to carry it into reality. So thank you for doing what you do. Oh, thank you, bro, you for saying that, bro. man.
2: Is there anything that you'd like to put out there that we haven't covered or any shout outs of anybody that you think, uh, you know?
1: Um, Man, I mean, shout out to the entire Puffco team. I pinch myself every day. I don't understand what it is about what we have done that has attracted these brilliant minds to create these brilliant products. So thank you so much to everybody at Puffco for making this reality. Like we're all in the trenches and I don't think we understand the impact that we're having on our reality. Um, And my last words will be smoke more hash, baby. Smoke more motherfucking hash. Man, and with that, right? At Jolly Roger on Instagram. Jolly Roger on Instagram. I go live every day. If you're in here pressed about anything I said, join the live. You could send me a DM too. I'll likely reply if you send me a DM, but join the live. Um, I go up almost every day that I'm not traveling. I answer the top question in my questions tab. I never check to see what it is. You can ask me the most fucked up shit and people have And I will answer it 99.9% of the time. So yeah, come find me. I'm available. I'm transparent. I'm here for the space. What's the next big event you have coming up? Emerald's Cup. Emerald's Cup in November. We have the whole building. There's a Puffco building. We usually do a big setup. Emerald's Cup is a vibe. It, It has historically been one of my favorite shows in the space that's accessible to everyone. And we'll be posted. I'll be posted. Smoking hash, having a great time. Come see us. It's in December, I think. Yeah, I think twelfth yep. through Santa the fourteenth or something. Yeah, yeah. Santa I'll Rosa. see you guys there. I take it as well. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, yeah I'll cool. be up there. Yep, absolutely. Well,
0: shit, man. Wrapping up episode seventy-two. Roger from Puffco. We're about to get on that Patreon. First Don't miss day. out.
1: Yeah, get on the Patreon, please. Hey, support right work.
0: now, family. Let's go. Yo,
2: welcome to the Diamond Mine, the Diamond Mine. LA, California source for boutique genetics powered by yours truly, Blackleaf. And you know what that means? That means I'm bringing my best genetics into this. I'm bringing stuff I've been hiding, harboring away, stuff I haven't wanted to let out. We're bringing all that into the diamondmine.la and we're gonna offer that to California. Go on our website, hit the newsletter, and see if you can rock with us. Get on board with some of our genetics and change your garden.
0: The diamondmine.la, powered by Blackleaf.